Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Even Stevens Ranked Podcast, the podcast for all things Even Stevens. I'm Brittany Butler. I'm Ethan Brim. And today we are back with another wonderful cast and crew interview. We're so excited about this one. Today we have with us executive producers and head writers, Mark Warren and Dennis Rinsler. Hey, guys. Great to be here. Great to be anywhere right now. So, yeah. <laughs> hey. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Honestly, yes. Yeah. So, okay. So, I guess we can jump right into it. We usually like to have uh, you guys sort of introduce yourselves and kind of give a rundown of how you got into the entertainment business and, of course, how that led you to Even Stevens. So, which one of you wants to start? Go ahead, Dennis. Well, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is Dennis. You can tell it's me. I have the thicker New York accent. Probably. <laughs> uh, Mark and I met in college. We were studying to be uh, elementary school teachers. Oh. One day when all the people in our program were talking about the curriculum and how they were up till midnight studying. And Mark said, I was up till midnight watching Women's Prison with Ida Lupino from 1955. I said, I was up <laughs> watching Women's Prison from 1955. That was laughable. It was horrible. And we laughed so hard about how terrible it was that we kind of bonded on our sense of humor. Then we taught elementary school for 11 years until wow. a third friend said, let's go out to Hollywood and write screenplays. Oh, my gosh. And Mark, what happened? Wow. Well, you, you jumped a few things there, but... <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> <All right. laughs> Went straight from elementary school to Hollywood. <laughs> we, uh, you know, at, we were best friends and uh, there was a time when our wives weren't getting along very well. So we enjoyed ingesting certain substances, you know, it was the 70s. And uh, so we were looking for an excuse to just hang out. And uh, so we said, you know what? We're writing. We're going to start writing. So we started writing articles for some uh, men's magazines and some drug magazines like uh, it was called Rush Magazine. And then we got published in National Lampoon. We got three articles published in Lampoon. And it was like, this could actually be like a, a career. This could be a real thing. So we, we got very serious about it, and uh, we wrote a screenplay about bad teachers, which is what we were. We uh, went out to California over a spring break, and we actually sold it and made enough money that we could quit teaching and, and move out to California and start a career. Wow. We weren't bad teachers. The system, the system was bad. We were a little negligent, but maybe not bad. Well, we were classic <laughs> underachievers, let's face it. We were lazy. We brought laziness to a new art. So you were you were more of the Lewis Stevens end of things. Here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we related so much. Nothing wrong with that. Almost every writer related to Lewis. You always on your report card, it always said not living up to potential. So Same here. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So many report cards. Yes. But I remember when we sold that screenplay, we went out. We had gone back to teaching, waiting till somebody bought it and somebody did. We came back out and our third friend had a stack of $100 bills and he was dealing them like cards. We made like $30,000 and that's how much we made in three years of teaching. So we were like, this wow. is definitely more fun. Let's do it. Yeah. And we packed up the families and moved out. Was that a pilot or a, or a, or a film? No, it was a script about teaching. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was. We taught elementary school, and the script was how the kids were great and the teachers were all crazy. So that kind of makes sense as to why you would go into writing like a children's 
TV show or at least working on one. Yeah, the teachers were crazy kind of and even Stevens too. Yeah. <laughs> the weird thing was that um, it was kind of like a mash of urban education. When we came out here, mm. everything we wrote, all our sample scripts are all crazy, edgy, you know, drugs and sex and rock and roll. Like we were the edgy, crazy ex-teachers. <laughs> and then we landed on all these family shows, you know, Full House and Raven and all these mm. Disney shows. Like our whole career was basically those kinds of shows. But what we learned was mm-hmm. that people who love those kinds of, I mean, kids love those shows, but writers like adults who love those kinds of shows were not the writers that we wanted to hire on those shows. We wanted to hire writers like us that were, mm-hmm. so when we read a sample script that was crazy and edgy and out there, that's who we would bring on as, as staffing. Right. We read a script by Tom Burkhart. We said, we got to bring this guy in. He was writing for MTV, some kind of series called Pirate TV. Mm-hmm. And it was so funny and edgy. And we said, uh, Tom, what do you think of uh, Full House? And he said, well, i got to be honest. It's not that great. He said, you're our man. Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> there was definitely a tonal shift of Full House, like the last like three seasons, which actually were, I'm more nostalgic about because that's when I started getting into it. My grandma loved Uncle Jesse and she made me watch Full House with her. And uh, yeah, those last like two or three seasons, I'm really nostalgic about. They have kind of like a really cool tone to them. I remember like the Beach Boys came in too and like there's all kinds of cool stuff happening. Well, surprisingly... Yeah. We took over the show the last three seasons. So. There you go. So that's why. It, yeah. So we tried to tried to make it a little edgier, a little more twisted. Yeah. That's why with even Stevens, we had a chance to write for smart kids with a twisted sense of humor like us. That's what we were looking for. Yeah. And I think we found you guys. <laughs> yeah, I think you did too. Yeah, yeah. You, found, you found me at least. Yeah, definitely. So how exactly did you land on Even Stevens because it was already a show before you guys got involved, right? Right. What what happened was we we had been on this long-term deal at Warner Brothers. Like we did seven seasons of Full House. Then we did all these WB shows, uh, The Parenthood and a show we created called Nick Frino, Licensed Teacher, which nobody remembers, but ran two seasons. And uh, I remember. I was trying to find clips of it online. I, I could find a few, but that's... Yeah, I, it was... Uh, that's another... That's a whole other podcast, but... Um, <laughs> so we were at Warner Brothers like 11, 12 years, and then the, like those family sitcoms and everything was were kind of gone. So we got a call from our agent, Disney Channel wants to meet with you. We're like, Disney Channel? Oh, my God. Said they're, they're firing these people on this show called Even Stevens, and... They showed us the pilot and we're like, uh, I don't know. Then they told us the money and we were like, we really don't know. <laughs> but there was something about uh, the chemistry about Shia and Christy that we really responded to. And we said, we'll, we'll do it, but we got to hire our own staff completely and we need eight weeks to kind of revamp the show. Mm. Uh, when we met with Sean, uh, Sean McNamara and David Brookwell, who are the executive producers and all the Disney Channel people. And they went, great, you know, just do it. Well, what happened, Mark, is they they called us into the meeting and they said, uh, what would you do as a typical story for even Stevens? Mm -hmm. So we uh, had a couple that we worked on and we said, what if Lewis wanted to get a job and he decided to be a dog sitter and he has like 20 dogs in the house Running wild, they go out for a walk, they're dragging him through the park, 
And if he loses some, the people are going crazy. To, that's it. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But uh, we didn't bring that as the first one on. Once we got in and we met with the writers, you start uh, spitballing and coming up with ideas. The first story was uh, Foodzilla. Yeah. That, that, was, that was the first mm-hmm. one we did. Episode seven, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you when you said that um, Disney showed you the pilot, was that the a week first week one or the swap.com? It was swap.com. Yeah, it wasn't. They showed us the pilot and a couple of like the first three or four episodes. And we just felt that the, the potential really wasn't there. You know, a great premise with uh, sibling rivalry and great casting. Um, but it just wasn't cohesive. It wasn't together. So we read the original pilot script that Matt Dearborn had written, and it was like so different mm-hmm. tonally. It just had this offbeat, weird, kind of quirky humor. And then we met with Matt and we hit it off. So we said, okay, we, you know, let's get rid of everybody, but we really want to work with Matt. And, Matt, you know, we stayed together the whole, you know, the whole run of the show. Yeah, of course. And also what happened with that first group, according to Disney, was they kind of ran out of steam. They ran out of stories. After six episodes? After six. They they weren't <laughs> sure. I think by the sixth one, all about Yvette, they had him riding around on a toy train for 20 minutes. And we were like, well, what's going on here? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Lewis and Just yeah. filling space, oh, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. so we had to come on strong. And Foodzilla uh, was the first one out of the box. And yeah. also, we were looking into yeah. Lewis's character. The uh, the thing with the old Groucho Marx jokes and yeah. the, the nose and glasses, it wasn't quite working. So uh, when Mark wrote Foodzilla, we wanted a show that he's really creative and he has a lot of energy and good ideas if he's motivated to do the thing. Exactly. If you tell him what to do, yeah. he may not be interested. But if he's excited... You know, he'll come up with a really creative solution, and that and that wow. that one was a hit, and that really worked. That is kind of the theme too. Like, I mean, you see that one, and then um, and then uh, almost perfect was kind of the same way. That's kind of like the running theme of the show, and that's one of the reasons I love it so much yeah. too. And they told us originally it was a show about an underachiever and a family of overachievers, but they wanted to focus yeah. more on the sibling rivalry, the brother sister, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. which worked great because. Uh, Christy Romano was just so funny and such a great foil for him. It was just so perfect, the two of them at each other all the time. <laughs> and Shia was amazing. That we knew right away that they had something. Right. We had seen him play a mascot on Freaks and Geeks, but that was about it. Yeah. He didn't do much. A few seconds. <laughs> right, a few seconds. But he had a naturalistic style of acting that was not like the typical all the Disney shows are like gee mom this is the greatest birthday ever you know it was so (laughs) stiff but he was just like a natural like a real guy and we really responded to that oh yeah just to to build on on what Dennis was saying I I think Christy is underappreciated on the show now I was going back and looking at some of the episodes and she is so solid and so strong and so believable and has so much heart and connects with Lewis, but also, you know, with the rest of the family. And she is very sneaky funny mm. that she doesn't get enough enough uh, appreciation for, I think. Yeah. And yeah. a big, big part of the success of the show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, she's a great straight man. Even just kind of how she delivers certain lines, I'm like, man, just her attitude when she says it is spot on. And yeah. uh, just in contrast to Lewis, who's just you know a goofball. Well, they both they both embody their characters so deeply. Yeah, one of my favorite run lines is from one of the episodes you weren't on, but uh, it was actually all about Yvette, which is one of our least favorite, like everyone's least favorite episode, I think. Um, But it's just when I just love her delivery when um, Yvette's like, well, do you love me or do you love me? And she goes, oh, I don't know. It's just too close to call. (laughs) (laughs) She was great at that. It was just so spot on. Just great. And then in that same episode, she goes, um, oh, didn't you, or was was that the one where she goes, no. And when, when Lewis asks, that's a uh, take my sister. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. That's take my sister. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe your depth of knowledge. That's I mean, great. We're so impressed. Oh. <laughs> the way you analyze it, like Citizen Kane. I mean, it's it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> oh my we god! Love it. it makes us appreciate the show more. It's the Citizen Kane of Disney Channel shows. Well, if we're that's, being honest. that's very nice. Thank you. <laughs> it really is. That's sweet. How sweet. But I'll tell you, the hardest thing about filming Shia was that you're not allowed to laugh. Mm. When you shoot a a sitcom in front of a live audience, you want laughs. You want them screaming. You tell them to laugh. You put in more laughs in post-production. But in a film camera show, it has to be so quiet. And he would say the funniest things and we'd be holding our mouths, trying not to laugh. And a lot of times some of the scenes got ruined because we would laugh so hard. We'd get angry. Don't nobody laugh. And, and he has to be funny in silence. You know, it's very strange, but he was great at it. And we didn't use fake. We didn't use any fake laughs. We would put no laugh track. Yeah. Yeah. Music to pop, to pop the jokes, musical stings Mm -hmm. to pop the jokes. Yeah. Ba-dun-da. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So, so you guys, uh, I you know you guys worked mostly on, uh, you know, the multi-camera the, with, audi- uh, you know, the studio audience and stuff. Is this the only show you guys worked on with the, that was single camera? One of the first shows we did was Fast Times. Oh, um, yeah, that's right, yeah. Amy Heckerling and uh, Alan yeah. Rucker, and that was a single camera show. Okay. Fast Times at Ridgemont High was the movie. Yeah. Our mm. first yeah. network uh, network job. So we, we started on, on with single camera, and we love single camera. I guess I'm trying to figure out, like, how do you think it would have translated if there was an audience, or do you think... Um, you know, it might have made it worse or, or do you get- I, I don't think it would have worked yeah. because when you're shooting in front of the audience, mm-hmm. the network executives are sitting over your shoulder. Yeah. yeah. When you're shooting single camera, it takes a week. They don't have a week to hang out with you. But when it's <laughs> it's, it's going to be Friday night, we're doing the show. So yeah. they would after every line, they would listen to the audience and say, well, they're not laughing loud enough. Punch up the joke. Make it funnier. Yeah. Uh, he didn't fall hard enough. Make him fall harder. So you're milking the audience. Yeah. It's not really the not really the network executives when you're doing a multi camera show. It's everybody. It's the writers. It's us. If we don't hear a laugh from that audience, that's true. You know, you become kind of a laugh whore. You know, you really need yeah. to get. You got to. <laughs> you got to get the laughs. And it's a different meaning. You're doing a live stage play, basically. It's just a different totally. dynamic, completely. Yeah. That's actually that kind of leads into this question that I've always had. It, it might sound weird, but. As comedy writers, how do you know something's funny? Like, you know what I mean? Like, 
every time I I think about sitting down to try to write something funny, it's like how do you know what that is and that it will land? Like you just said, like if you were in front of a a live audience and it doesn't land, it's like oh you you must have like a bunch of alternate lines or something like that. I don't know. Like what was that whole deal on even Stevens, especially since there's no audience to give you any sort of immediate feedback. Well, you know, you're, you're musicians. Yeah. So it's very much like that. It's rhythm. Mm. It's just a rhythm. Mm-hmm. It's just in you. You just feel what's funny. You just kind of know instinctively, but then we also have a writer's room. Right. So we trust each other. And of course, what's funny to me may not be funny to everybody. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just, it's just instinct and you have a table read. Right. So, and, and what, if something may be funny, the actor may not be able to deliver it. Yeah. You know, it may be a great joke. It's just not in their voice. So it's, it's a very, it, it's a chemistry, it's music, it's rhythm. Um, it, it's all that. And also sometimes you get lucky, like a guy like Shia will make a straight line funny. Mm-hmm. The line says, uh, I'm out of here. And when we wrote it, we didn't think it was going to be funny, but the way Shia would say it, somehow it was funny. It just, you know, he would add a little a little twist to it, a little attitude. Yeah. But ultimately, you do trust your gut. Yeah, I think delivery has a big part um, in what makes even Steven so funny. 100%. Some of the smallest things, like you said, a lot of Shia's funniest things are a facial expression or, a, you know, like a physical movement. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into yeah. it. And, um, and it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like set up punchline, set up punchline, set up punchline, mm-hmm. like how you yeah. probably might need to accomplish in a, you know, a studio audience sitcom. But like this one, you it, yeah, there is that freedom and that kind of like room for just making subtle stuff funny. Exactly. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be these big jokes. Right. And Shia would, Shia would add little things. Uh, although sometimes he, he would always want to scratch his ear or sniff something, smell something in the room or pick his nose or to be, to show he's very natural. But we would say to him, Chaya, if you, if you're picking your nose in every scene, you're going to be known as the character who picks his nose. You don't want to save it, save it for a good moment. You know, when you're being yelled at by your mother, that's a good time to pick your nose. Don't do it every time. Yeah, I've noticed that actually. He does like a lot of this. Yeah, sometimes. he does like a lot of ear stuff. Yeah, yeah. We cut out a lot of that. I think he throws in a lot of you knows to make it sound more natural. Like he'll be saying the line, and then it's just like you know, like that's something yeah. I was really going for. You know, like blah blah blah. He just yeah. throws in you knows. I feel like. Yes, we did not script the you knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's what I figured. <laughs> I was right. like, there are, there are a lot of you knows in this script. <laughs> <laughs> Another word he would throw in constantly is buddy. I'm assuming yeah. that wasn't written con- like because almost there would be a few episodes where I'd be watching it and I'm like, whoa, he's saying buddy way too much. You know, yeah. I, I yeah. don't. It's interesting because the, the, that's Tom Burkhardt, who was one of the writers that that is kind of his rhythm like buddies and mm. things like that kind of stuff. So there might've been, some of that might've been scripted and then Shia might've picked up on that and kind of enhanced it and, and used it a little bit more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you, so you guys were back then, did they call you guys like the showrunners or? or um, yeah, we were the showrunners. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was like the official term is like executive producer. I know, but uh, yeah, right. Just, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot of the titles are meaningless. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, even when you see a script and it says written by, mm. uh, 
it doesn't necessarily mean they wrote every word. Yeah. They might have written the first draft, but sometimes we would hire outside writers to give them a chance who weren't part of the staff, yeah. and they just missed the tone of the show, and we'd have to change every single word in the script. <laughs> and we would still give them the credit. Yeah. Or we would write a script, and then when we brought it to the writer's table, we'd come up with a better idea, and the group would write a better idea. So you never really know who wrote what joke. Yeah, yeah. I, I think your biggest misconception, because what I've heard on the podcast, oh, I love this writer, yeah, or I love this script, okay. or, and I mean, early on, like in pre-production, we'd give writers a chance to go off and write a first draft, but. Honestly, maybe 75% of the scripts were group written at the table all together, and we just rotated names on them. So I couldn't even tell you who wrote what joke or, or you know, we, we worked as a team, and a lot of shows work that way. Um, most of the shows we've done okay. work that way. The theme for a story many times would come from the writers. Like uh, Tom Burkhart early on said, why don't we do a, uh, a show where Shia wants to sleep in a bed for charity? <laughs> and, and we said, you know, that really crystallized what the character is, where he would come up with all this, these great creative ideas where he would do nothing. <laughs> But he would get the job done. Laziness. Took laziness to a new level. Yes. And that was an easy way. Yeah. And that was Tom's idea. You know, and sometimes I think uh, the great Sarah Cunningham and Susie Valandry Freeman wanted to do that Ren was a secret karaoke singer. You know, they would yeah. pitch the idea and uh, we would run with it and add to it. And then they, would, they went off and wrote that. But... You never know in the end who did what. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it's all a te team effort. What's a yeah. what's like? What was like a typical day or week like for you guys uh, in you guys' uh, position? As far as you know, uh, in the writers' room and then like on set and the table reads. Like, how did that all go? Yeah, there there was a lot going on. We were very lucky in that uh, we had uh, Brookwell and McNamara, Sean and David. Mm -hmm. They did a lot of the production stuff, but every week. If we were in production, first the director would come in, we'd have a tone meeting because every show had to kind of look alike, even though we had different, different directors. So we would sit and go through the script line by line to get the tone of it and give them notes, pre-notes. Then we'd have a production meeting with props and wardrobe and hair. Then one of us would probably go to editing. Uh, one of us would be working the room. We'd always have a writer on the set. So there's a lot going on all the time casting. Um, but luckily there were two of us, so we're able to kind of kind of break off. But the writing is always going on. The writer's room is always working. That's the first thing. You start by coming up with ideas. You just put them on uh, index cards. Uh, you know, uh, Lewis wins a beauty contest or Beans wins a beauty contest, whatever. Any crazy idea, you just put it up and then you break it down into an outline. You say, okay, what's the beginning, the middle, and the end? Somebody goes off, writes a first draft, we bring it back to the table and we go line by line. Yeah. Could this be funnier? Could this be different? Could this have more heart? Mm. And then you do that and then when you actually bring the actors in and they read the script... You take notes, ah, that joke wasn't so funny, or this was funny, let's do more of this. And then you go upstairs, rewrite the whole thing. 
And then you go down. <laughs> Lots of times, pages are changing. We're giving them new lines while the cameras are rolling just to, uh, we thought of something better. And then you just run out of time. You could just keep doing it for a year. You'd get the greatest script ever. But you only have uh, two weeks altogether yeah. for each script. On uh, multi-camera shows, you would pitch lines between takes. You'd have all the writers huddled around and try a different joke because the audience didn't laugh. Not so much single camera. Once in a while, there was always a writer on set. If something wasn't working or if an actor had an idea, we're very collaborative. We love collaboration. So, if you know, we would do a take and then if an actor said, hey, could I try it this way or try this line? Or I mean, a cameraman would come up with a line or the lighting guy or something. You know, why not? If it's better, <laughs> sure, bring it on. You know, we get the credit, so... That's it's all good. <laughs> if it's funny, we do it. Oh, was, were you guys on set a lot? Or like how, how uh, active were you guys actually on set? Um, we were on set a lot. It, of course, there were two of us. One of us would almost always try to be down on set. If not, Matt Dearborn would be down there. Mm-hmm. Um, later on, as we trusted people more, we, we kind of let the writers go for their whole week. When they wrote it, when it was their script, they would be on set. But we'd be up and down. We shot most of it all in the basement of this uh warehouse so Mm -hmm. we were close by we were in a warehouse we were next to home depot we felt so out of it we had a it was like before us david hasselhoff was shooting baywatch in there (laughs) but we and we had this building we built like a fake front so it looked like a school we would block off the the parking lot with a school bus bus. who wants to (laughs) eat lunch next to a school bus but it had to make it look like school we'd bring out some picnic tables and we would just fake it like the front of this warehouse was a was a school. Yeah, I always caught the strategically placed school bus. Yes. I was like, well, that school bus is always just sitting there. Okay. <laughs> it was blocking the yeah. freeway. <laughs> but you can actually, I, I think in um, in Band on the Roof, you can see Home Depot. Prop, when most the likely, roof. yeah. It's a warehouse. You okay. can see the big orange yes. Home Depot yeah. stripe on the building. After yeah. a while, we just kind of embraced <laughs> yeah. it and it's like, you know. Here's where we are, and good luck. If you can figure yeah. it out, good luck. Oh, that's amazing. That's awesome. I guess I'm curious, what kind of ideas were there that didn't make it to, to uh, were there any cool concepts for episodes that you guys never ended up getting to shoot, but you wish you did? That's a good question. Uh, oh, you know what just, yeah. <laughs> you know what popped in my mind, Mark? When we wanted to do the movie at the end, we went in and pitched a story that the Stevens family went on a cross-country trip and they went to Mount Rushmore and Lewis was climbing and digging and he broke off George Washington's nose. Oh my God. Right. And, yeah. and everyone in the, the country was outraged. They're looking for him. He and his friends meet him and they're on the run. And uh, the head of the network says, well, you know, I just saw this movie, The Truman Show. Why don't we do something like that? As a matter of fact, why don't we do exactly that? And he was the boss. He said, okay, that's a great idea. Maybe we'll give it a shot. But, you know, <laughs> ideas, um, when, you, when you're in the middle of production and you've got to crank out a show every week, you don't yeah. reject a lot. I mean, we rejected a lot in the room, a lot of pitches. Um, mm. But once we kind of locked into something we and we liked, everybody kind of liked it, the network signed off on it, we, we tried to make it work. Mm. Sometimes not to great effect, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, some, some were risky. The, the the musical was risky. We didn't know if that was going to work. Oh, yeah. We were a little worried about that. It was different at the time. Nobody had done that. 
And then when Band on the Roof, we said we wanted to do a uh, documentary style like uh, VH1 Behind the Music. Yep. They weren't sure about that. And we said, let's give it a chance. So we, we took a few risks. Oh, for sure. That's awesome. We haven't obviously talked about that episode yet, but I think that episode is ahead of its time in the sense that it was doing a VH1 Behind the Music thing, but it's also now just like a mockumentary which is you know the office modern family parks and rec all have that feel and uh that's one of the reasons why it's my favorite episode because i don't know like i feel like that vibe worked for even stevens yeah that's great we we had also at that point we had everything was kind of coming together like production writing acting everybody was really confident so we could pull it off at that time and and uh i think Greg Hopson directed that one. He was our editor, also brilliant guy, and he he did an amazing job on that too. I hope I'm I hope I'm right. You might be right. Uh, I just watched it last night. One of my favorite lines was Artie Artie Ryan had to quit the Twitty Stevens connection because his mother made him take pottery lessons. Yes, oh my God. <laughs> I love Artie. I love Artie. He's one of my favorites. He was great. We loved him. One of the best bits in that too, um, which again is very like. I always mention The Office on our podcast, but it's very, it just has that feel where he goes um, in the interview portion where he's like, I didn't like the direction the band was going. Nowhere. Since then, I started my own band, Artie Ryan and the Funky Cats. The Funky Cats. I I had some promotional material made up. Tom, you want a free one? And then Tom off camera. No, no thanks. It was a Frisbee. It was a promotional Frisbee. Yes. It's amazing. (laughs) It's so good. I love that. Funny. That was so funny. <laughs> and we love doing that one. And also because we got to go on the roof. That was fun too. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I remember I was at, I was on a roof of a, of a hotel and there was a phone up there. And I, so I made my wife call it so I could answer it and say roof. <laughs> roof? <laughs> <laughs> That's how we answered yeah. the phone. Yeah. Roof. <laughs> okay. Roof. <laughs> And Tugna was grilling yes. uh, tofu dogs. dogs up there <laughs> or something. That's awesome. Yeah. Everyone had a little se- little secret life, you know, that yeah. we just opened the door a little bit to, you know, like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> especially Tugna. Tugna. I have so many questions. Yeah. yeah. He was great. Jim Wise. I also love the way Beans just knew the number for the roof. Like, he's the one yeah. that called the yeah. roof. <laughs> like, it's just, I'm going to call the roof. You know? And he had his cell phone, too. With a hamster cage stuck yeah. on his head. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Piggybacking on the idea of, you know, any ideas that didn't make it, are there any ideas you wish you wrote that you never got a chance to? Or like after the fact, you thought like, oh man, that would have been a good story for this character or anything like that? It's hard to say. By the end, we were, were running out of stories. You saw in Ren We Trust, we were running out of <laughs> <Yeah>. stories. <laughs> so, uh, oh my God. But, you know, you, we needed another uh, another break to come up with new ones. You know, sometimes you, you're cranking yeah. them out, you're cranking them out. Uh, you, you leave no stone unturned. Yeah. What, what I always felt was because, uh, you know, ABC had, uh, uh, Disney had bought ABC, and you have, a, make this a farm system. You know, you have Shia, you have Christy. Let's age them up and do a show for for the network and see where they are in yeah. high school or in college and follow them along. You've got a built-in audience. But in those days, there wasn't a synergy. They were just completely mm. separate entities and they didn't want to hear anything about, uh, you know, anything from Disney Channel to the network was just frowned upon. So 
that never happened. And and also they had a rule three seasons and out because they felt when the actors started looking old, the kids wouldn't relate to them, which we thought was ridiculous. And and then after we did um, even Stevens, we did uh, That's So Raven and we pushed to go over a hundred episodes, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, they, they caught on later that it's not over just because the kids are growing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's, that's interesting because there were so many, especially in the you know 90s, early 2000s, almost everybody who was cast in high school movies and stuff were adults. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, like what were they What were they thinking? That, like, high schoolers wouldn't relate to a 30-year-old yeah. playing a senior? Like, and that's actually, that kind of goes into um, something about the casting process, which I know you guys, you, you were a part of, but, you know, Shia and Christy were already cast, so you guys came in to cast people like Bobby Deaver, Ruby, Monique, is that? Uh, yes, yeah. That's say? right, that's right. Okay. Yeah, we brought them all in. So... Yeah, what was that process like? Because when we just covered Bobby's first uh, two episodes on the podcast, wrapping up season one, you know, we were saying like he was older, like the actor was. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I can't remember how much older he was, but well, I think I think Sarah and and Susie took the lead on that. We would say to them, "Is he cute? Will girls think he's cute?" And they're going, "Yeah, he's really cute. He's really cute." So uh, we weren't good judges of that, but they liked him, and we liked him too. He was sweet. He was cute. He was uh, easily manipulated by Mandy. Mm. Always gets some man Sanchez. And uh, <laughs> the problem with romances in kid shows is that you can only take them so far. Exactly. Um, obviously, they you know they they can't be sleeping together or anything like that. There can't be a natural kind of sequence. So it, it, you have to really go really slowly or break them up. Um, mm. I mean, the Tawny Lewis. That was a beautiful arc. Yes. And, and that the way that ended, I mean that that's one of my favorite episodes too. And it just we just we just doled it out little by little and and looking back on on the pilot or the little pieces of the pilot, that first look when he falls off the flagpole and then to pay it off uh, with the with the tapes at the end. Um, that that one really worked, but on most shows we've done Almost every romance has been a fizzle. When I was a kid, you want more of it though, right? So like when the kiss happened, I was like, oh my God, yes. I was like, because I was just super into that stuff. Just as, you know, you probably know I had a crush on Shia when I was a kid. So I was like all into the romance episode. And then they broke up at the end. And I was like, what? (laughs) I was so upset. I was like, no, I want more of this. And then when the show ended with them finally getting together, I was like, no, I want more of this. So, but you can't do stories, you know, when they're going out with someone. Yeah. You can't do dating stories. You can't do crushes. You can't, it just cuts out so many Mm storylines. So they're, yeah. they're hard to do. That's true. I did like in the episode, The Kiss, when Shia got so jealous and so crazy that he realized at the end, I'm not ready to be in a relationship. This is too exactly. This is too much for me. That's one of my favorite parts of his character, actually, in that episode. I, I always say he's like oddly mature enough to realize he's too immature uh, yeah, to, yeah. to do that. It just drove him nuts, uh, and he said, I, I can't live this way, yeah. Yeah. and it was it was really nice. Mm-hmm. That was beautiful. No, that was a beautiful arc, and uh, the end made me cry. I watched it, and uh, I cry when I watched those tapes. Every single time I watch that, it doesn't even matter. I could just watch it, just that scene, isolated once, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, here it comes. <laughs> Were there talks about uh, Ren and, and um, Larry being like... Uh, Romantic, because we always talk about that. It feels like there's like a tension there, but uh, no, 
I don't know if it was ever. <laughs> no, I, I think it was more uh, competitive. Who's the smartest in school? Yeah, yeah. They were both ambitious and they both were very smart. Mm -hmm. So they were always trying to one up each other. So we didn't think the uh, the romance thing would work on that one. Because I think it was just, I think Raiders of the Lost Sausages one that just really stands out as yeah. having that sort of tension. When they were tied together. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah, that might have worked. One, yeah, that one's another season. If we had another season, we would have yeah, done. There you go. <laughs> I could see it now. Because um, Ty was on Christie's cooking show. I don't know if you saw that, but he was on, and they were talking about Ren and Larry, and they were like, "I feel like they could have dated," and they were like, "Yeah, they were soulmates. Yeah, <laughs> if they they, they would have gone to prom and they would have uh, whatever." So when we do the reboot, we'll definitely bring uh, right bring that back. So then, looking back, where did you think? maybe was like where did you think like the show was like this is the you know the sweet spot for the show was it did you think you were hitting that even at the end or did you where do you think it was in the middle like somewhere and then it tapered off or maybe the i think maybe was it around the middle of the second season we felt like we were really getting it we did a lot of good ones the first season that we like a lot yeah and then the middle of the second season i think we were Hitting a few good ones. I think also as the character, especially Shia's character, grew a little bit, became a little more complex. Like, he, he wasn't really an underachiever. He was an other achiever, you know? He just had <laughs> he just had alternate skills that... Alternate. Right. And we started finding those and respecting that that a little bit more. Um, and I think that helped the show. And, and also Beans. When, when Beans came in, it just gave us this weird... Little side gig, you know that that we could play and ha and have fun with. Uh -huh. Yeah, that was the weirdest. You know, one day the Disney executives came in. They said we saw a kid on a tire commercial. He yelled out the car window. We got to make him a character on the show. We said, really? Are you kidding? And when they brought him in, and Nat Diabon told the story how. We were thinking this is never going to work until he told his pirate joke. <laughs> and we said, you know what? It was a rocket on a rim. So, okay, let's give this guy a chance. Oh, my God. But I think we also got to have to give, uh, have to give Joey Paul Jensen some, uh, some credit for amazing casting. She, she brought all these people in. She cast the pilot, and uh, she found Shia, and she found Chris. I mean, you know, there, there wouldn't be a show without her. Yeah. yeah mm. The ca casting was phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Really good, especially yeah. like when when you guys brought in Ruby and Monique. Like those are two of my favorites, and then obviously Artie, and you got Tom, and you got I mean everyone's played. There's nobody in the show where I'm like oh, this doesn't really work. Yeah, we, yeah, when we were casting Ruby, you know, we had that speech. You know, uh, this one's dating that one's brother and yeah. sister, and this one's going about with real. And uh, you know, we had twenty, thirty people come in and read it. I think that was the only time it worked. Mm was when Lauren Frost read it. It was the only time she actually nailed it without stopping and starting and stuff. We said, oh, she's great. Oh, she's awesome. really good. And the New York accent. We yeah. love that too. Yeah, so that, that was something she brought to the table. I'm dying. Yeah. I'm dying. Well, she was on tour with Barbara Streisand. Yeah. Yep. And they would call, Barbara would mention that she used to sing as a young girl and they'd bring Lauren on and, and she would do the uh, young Barbara Streisand mm -hmm. in the act. Mm -hmm. So she did the, the Brooklyn accent. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. And Monique just made us laugh. I don't know where that accent came from. Ran, <laughs> ran. <laughs> she just cracked us up. We just loved it. My mom does that all the time. She'll just like <laughs> break into a weird voice and then she just goes, ran, like out of nowhere. And I'm like, mom, why are you doing this? <laughs> she came up with that. That was great. You need to go lie down. Yeah. <laughs> right. It was great. 
Sure, I'll go to the dance with you. <laughs> Sadie Hawkins oh dance. Oh my god. Man, yeah, she was yeah. great. I was just gonna say some inside casting stories. Oh, yeah. Cynthia Mills. Yes. Yes. Came in. And Joey said to her, by the way, her husband is the president of the Disney Channel. Really? And we were like, you're kidding me. What if we don't like her? Well, we, and we reject her. But she was great. Oh, she yeah. came in with this intensity. Yeah. And we said, all right, we're definitely, no problem there hiring her. Yeah. That was great. But we were a little nervous for a while. And uh, Mrs. Lovelson mm-hmm. was married to Matt Dearborn at the time. Oh, wow. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, so he... Did not know that either. And a former Miss USA. No, Miss USA? Oh, really? Okay. Wow. And... Uh, and she was, and we were also, it was another one of those things where Matt said, I'm going to give my wife a chance. And we were saying, oh, oh this could go <laughs> the wrong way. But she was lovable. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and we gave her the name Lovelson and it worked out great. And she got to be, she got to be in the musical too. That's right. Yes. Yeah. She was, uh, we went to the moon. Yeah. That was oh, quite cool. a toe tapper. Kelly McCarty. Even, uh, I was going to say, even Jeff LaBeouf, we just found out was in an episode. I don't know if he was in more than than just the Battle of the Bands, but yeah, he made an appearance. So. <laughs> he was on the one of the auditions or something. Yeah, yep. he was on the line. Yeah, to be in the band. I mean, he he was around quite a bit, and uh, you know, I, I don't know if you want to get into Honey Boy, but um, we knew it was not great, but we didn't know mm-hmm. the extent of you know what Shia was going through and how he was able to come into work every day and be professional, and you know, with the stuff he was dealing with was. Uh, was quite remarkable. Well, you know what happened? Toward the end of the first season, we started getting the feeling that Shia wasn't having fun. Mm. He seemed angry. He, I'm not doing that. He uh, he would say, I'm only here till six o'clock. After six o'clock, I turn into a pumpkin. I'm out of here. I'm going to be a pumpkin. So we were saying, he's not enjoying the job. And we called a child psychologist. Oh. And we all did a conference call. And the guy said to us, Imagine you're 14 years old living in a motel with your dad and you're the breadwinner and he's unemployed. What do you think that relationship must be like? What do you think how tense that must be or how upsetting it might be for the dad or for the the pressure on the son? So after that, we said, you know what he needs? He needs a guy who's going to work with him. Uh, and we called him a dialogue coach who's going to run lines with Shire every day, a guy named Richard Lyons, who was a really cool young guy. I think he was in his 20s then. And he sat with uh, Shire and he worked on the lines with him. And they became buddies. He uh, was making films with uh, Shire. He made a, some crazy lobster movie. They were running around the set. And, and, uh, and after that, it felt like Shire was enjoying the job. And it really it changed the whole tone down there. So that was after the first season, you said? Toward the end of the first season. Yeah, sometime, yeah. And it was, pr- and then when we when we saw the movie, we realized, oh my God, that situation was very tense and very, you know, the pressure on Shia. Mm. Uh, so now I understand it so much better. Yeah. yeah, that was an intense movie. Yeah. I mean, I, fi- I find it difficult sometimes because I've been seeing a lot of people on Twitter and stuff after seeing it they're like I can never watch even Stevens again I can never watch the show the same way like how do you take comments like that I mean I think the show was was Shia's savior yeah I mean he he was in a safe environment everybody loved him they really did Mm -hmm. and took care of him and they were protective of him and I, I think he was happy to come to work every day 
Um, you know, when I see the movie, I don't say, oh, I never want to watch this show again. I, I'm really proud of Shia yeah. for what he overcame and, um, and, he, ma- and he made a beautiful mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, no, that's a, that's exactly yeah. how I feel about it. It kind of put the show in a in a good light too. It kind of it uh, reflected what you're saying about even Stevens too. Yeah, it was kind of like it was his savior. Like especially that one scene with with his dad, or it was obviously like supposed to be Tom Virtue, but um, I mean that was like one of the best scenes. Like he kind of he needed that in his life. I think. Yeah, you know, yeah. A lot of child actors say that their TV family became their family. For all those years, they worked together. Yeah. I know that's what I wish I could tell everyone on Twitter that I see say stuff like that because I'm like, no, like I, because that's how I feel. I, it came across to me just also from the people we've interviewed so far as well, just that it was a really nice vibe on set, and so it was difficult for me to think, oh no, I can never watch the show the same way again because it just seems like that you guys created such a nice and safe environment and and especially today Shia only has great things to say about his time on the show so yeah, there's uh he did this crazy art installation where he watched all his movies yeah mm-hmm. there's a part where he's watching the even Stevens movie and he's just his face is just beaming and he's laughing and he's lighting up so that kind of tells yep. you that that was that was just and he's, he's crying he's laughing yeah, yeah. Laughing to tears. <laughs> the other thing was you talk about the environment there, and yes, it you know we we really tried to have a nurturing, fun. Uh, you know, we we had worked for a living, so this was great. We we loved coming to work every day, but also uh, Brookwell and McNamara, Sean and David, also set a wonderful tone there. They were they would take Shia out surfing, you know, in the morning. Um, they, they were wonderful, really wonderful and nurturing, sweet guys. So it, it all kind of worked for us. Yeah. And we would have them come into the writer's room and sit with us and uh, crack jokes and uh, pitch ideas and stuff like that. And he, he liked watching us to see the process. Yeah. He was into it. Shia, you mean? Shia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that makes That's sense. Cool. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You guys did have a couple of t- uh, turns directing. Well, I'm Dennis, I think you only, only did it one time, but Mark, you did a couple. I did two, actually. Oh, you did two? Two, yeah. Oh, okay. On IMDb, it only had one. But, uh, I know. I'm yeah, you gotta, what other one did you direct? Which other one? Did? I did uh, Gutter Queen oh. and Beans on the Brain. Yeah, yeah, Beans on the Brain was the one that was on there, yeah. So what leads yeah. you as a writer to you know say, oh, I want to direct this one? Because you guys wrote a, a big chunk episode. So, I mean, was there something about those two stories or did you guys just not have a director? Or? No, you know what? It, well, I, I'd always wanted to do it. And having done all these shows, all these full houses and everything, and you're as the showrunner, you're sitting right next to the director. You're basically directing it. Like when the actors, uh, between takes, the director wouldn't go talk to the actors. We would go talk to the actors on, on the multi-camera shows, you know. And the director, mm-hmm. so was, I said, I really want to do it, but I was really intimidated. And I had breakfast with Sean. And he said, let me tell you a little secret. It's really easy. it's not that hard you know you have a great we had a great director of photography Mark Mark During Powell we had a great um, line producer David Grace we had great lighting great sets and as the writer you know it so instinctively you know you just know every script to your bones so as it turned out it it really if you do your your homework do your prep it it, it was a lot of fun so I thank Sean for that yeah, you do have a lot of people giving you a safety net, but you you finally get a chance to have it just the way you pictured it, 
You know, a lot of directors come in and they want to add some style to it. And as Mark said earlier, you can't have a different director with a different vision every week. It has to look the same. I think Sta Savage Steve uh, tried a few crazy things uh, to change the look a little bit. But most of the time, you have to keep it consistent. Yeah, yeah you're on the you're on the clock. I mean, every you have kids and you you've got this amount of time and that's it. You, you can't mess around too much. Yeah. Mm. That's true. What was Donna? She did a couple, uh, I think maybe just one episode of Quest for Coolness. Was that the only one she did? She might have maybe done two. One or two. Yeah. No, I think she did. She did um, Wombat Wove too, I'm pretty sure, I think. Oh, that's... Yeah. Yeah. Well, she she was great with the yeah. actors. She, you know, as an actor, an actress herself, she was a great actress. So she knew how to deal with the actors. I mean... If a guy was delivering pizza, she would make sure he had a backstory. We'd find out what made this character cry. She was very, very into it. She made everyone feel like they were part of it, whether he had a big part or a little part. That's cool. That's awesome. So she was great. That's yeah. cool. Oh, I have, I have, uh, I have one for Mark. Are you the sole writer on Star Trek? I, I saw you credit on there, but well, again, yeah, I was, I was the writer, but yeah. you know. Oh, yeah, that's true. I know we talked about that. Every, everything's everything's group written. Everything's room written. So I, it was just kind of kind of my turn on the, on that one. What, that was the BB Mac one. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was wondering kind of what was the process. Were they written into the script or was it just a generic? No, they. We got a phone call from Disney. Like I guess they were on the record label or something. They said you're you got to do something with BB Mac. Yep. I'm like who? <laughs> <laughs> we never heard of them. Yep. And then we had to make. <laughs> Ruby was like this insane fan, you know, yeah. of this group that nobody ever heard of and nobody heard of since. But I mean, they were sweet guys and um, it, it was kind of fun. And I was able to hire my, my son's best friend to be the DJ on the show. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Eddie V. Eddie V. Uh, who yeah. lives in Thailand now? Because then he was—he was also on. Because I've—I noticed too, like so many even Stevens actors also appeared on That's So Raven. Yes, <laughs> so many. Uh, yes. Yeah, we would bring we would bring yeah. a few over. Yeah, like even Beans was on That's So Raven. I was like, this That's is it. insane. And uh, F Fred Myers, Tom Grabowski. Oh, yep, wow, literally that. everyone. Um, Beans's cousin Chris, Cynthia Mills. The, the the DJ, right, um, right. the guy who did the Look Smart, Be Smart video for Donnie. He was oh. he was also on TV on That's So Raven being like a hypnotist or something. Yeah, right. it, it was crazy. We knew we knew who we liked. We had people we liked <laughs> and they were fun to use, fun to use over and over. That's cool. But I think actually you bringing up um, Starstruck, Ethan, that being the first episode that aired for season two. We're about to go into season two next on the podcast. So I was wondering, there is a a stylistic change, I think, uh, going into the second season. It just feels a little bit more, obviously, compared to the first season, it feels a little bit more polished, a little bit more bold. Um, and me and Ethan were talking about it in our season one wrap-up episode that I said that season two kind of feels like a very guy-geared season, at least to me, because it's Ethan's favorite season and probably my least. I love season two. <laughs> um, we're looking forward to talking about it because we have different feelings. But <laughs> but yeah, I guess I just wanted to know, like, what should we know before we discuss season two? Like, what was the whole idea going into the second season? Um, any of those wackier things that sort of were brought to the forefront more? Yeah, so I guess just season two in general what what's up with that <laughs> well i i think there there wasn't that much thought 
went into it. <laughs> you know, it just kind mm-hmm. of, everything just kind of happens. But I think the one thing we realized was that um, Disney was leaving us alone. Mm. Like we could do anything. And like we'd have table reads and this has never happened since because as when we started doing Raven and all these other shows, it was note after note that we, but we were down in, uh, you know, Marina Del Rey or wherever the heck we were. And they were in Burbank and the shows were coming out great. And we'd have a table read and they go, yeah, that was, that was funny. I was like, holy crap, we can do anything we want. We can make beans an alien. We can do, you know, we, so we just started pushing things a little bit more. I think creatively and visually and, uh, story wise, um, so maybe that's kind of reflected in season two. Mm. And also, um, at the time, our competition was Lizzie McGuire. Yep. And the, uh, the channel realized that the audience was slightly more girls than boys. Mm-hmm. So we were the guy's show and that was the girl's show. Exactly. And when we did episodes like uh, The Secret World of Girls, those were hitting with the guy audiences <laughs> because it was, you know, uh, guy oriented. And the girls were in there. They were fun, too. But that was from the guy's point of view, that episode. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe we did lean a little more on the guys. Interesting. But as Mark said, it just evolved. It wasn't a conscious effort. Yeah. Yeah, there definitely did. I, you feel that freedom, too, um, with the storylines, at least, uh, especially in, two, in seasons two and three, I think. Um, but there's also like, yeah, like you said, uh, you guys are hitting, you, you felt you're hitting your stride in season two. Like the episodes were just tighter and tighter and just from beginning to end, every episode feels just really, really good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Ethan. I love, I love season two. I'm a, I'm an advocate for it. We go back and forth. <laughs> Again, it's not that I don't like it. Of course I like, it's like, this is like my favorite show. Um, but, but yeah, it's just, it's interesting. Uh, our mm. slightly different opinions on certain things. And I think it's definitely the girl guy thing i think that's definitely a disconnect that we have about certain plots certain things because like yeah secret world of girls nah but ethan's still like yeah it's the best and i'm like (laughs) i just remember watching it as a kid and i was like my best friend and i we were like 12 and we're like man this is so cool you know and it's i mean it's ultimately harmless but yeah uh, i mean i i mean it ends up being harmless you know but uh yeah i don't know just something about it and it's just it was the first episode with beans and he was one of my favorites and Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was, well, we were we were going for laughs. Yeah. We were going for laughs, yeah. uh, and and laughs did take the uh, the president. But we also were thinking another story of Ren with a new boyfriend. Eh, those aren't that great. The guys are never that funny. Uh, so uh, we might have shied away mm-hmm. after, from that after a while. And I think it makes sense. You know, you say that you know the biggest competition was Lizzie McGuire. Like that show was already touching on a lot of that stuff. Yeah, it definitely makes sense that you guys would push, you know, some more guy centric stuff. And Lizzie McGuire got the money, got the promotion. Mm-hmm. When they, when they did a movie at the end, it was in the theaters. Yep. Yeah. Zaz was a just a, a TV movie. I was going to ask, were there talks about the Even Stevens movie being theatrical at any point? Well, we were pushing for it, but they, yeah. well, we already spent uh, this much on Lizzie and... Uh, yeah, it was the know. same year. So we were always... Uh, yeah. Yep, 2003. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, So we had to take second second place, which was fine. We were in our own world. I think the, the budget and everything ends up 
being very endearing uh looking back with like it. with the movie yeah. and everything it's very like movies i think movies of tv shows always feel different anyway because i remember as a kid the lizzie mcguire movie always felt so different from the show and like the even stevens movie is too but it definitely feels closer to the show than you know lizzie mcguire becoming a pop star in rome and stuff i yeah. was like what is happening <laughs> well yeah you, you definitely need a broader canvas for a movie and a bigger story so yeah yeah yeah, yeah i like the movie a lot thanks but that but yeah the lack of the lack of budget yeah it's definitely a charm and um i think it oh, yeah. the fact that lizzie mcguire got the theatrical release even stevens didn't it only adds to like that hipster quality of uh, even Stevens now. I think it's kind of more underground and it makes me want to just vouch for it even more. Yeah. I mean, we were not trying like on Full House, you're trying to get the biggest audience possible. We yeah. would come up with some ideas and jokes. We say, are the kids going to get that? Ah, they'll get it eventually. Let's let's go for it. It's funny. Yeah. yeah. Some kids will get it. <laughs> I mean, and that's what adds yeah. to even Steven's longevity, like I say all the time, I was, you know, as a kid, the things that stuck out in my memory were the more like slapstick things and like the physical humor and Shia screaming and like all this sorts of stuff. And then when I got older and I was revisiting some of those shows from my childhood, I was like, oh my God, I was like, this is 10 times funnier than I ever would have thought it was. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that definitely contributes to, yeah, just the show holding up so well was the fact that you guys did go for that stuff. I think in the long run, it totally helped the show. That was our dream, <laughs> yeah. that you would feel this way. Yeah, well, <laughs> mission accomplished, yeah. dream accomplished. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I have a random question. Do you guys remember a character named Lefkowitz? Sure, yeah. Of course, what, what, the wild red hair. Yep. It's he, the mystique behind Lefkowitz has always intrigued me, and I just want to know. Like, he never had any lines, but he was always kind of tangentially like in the show. Like, like what was was he? Somebody was he related to somebody, or was he just a guy that you guys liked how he looked? And he, we liked the way he looked. He was just kind of a running joke. And I'm trying to remember, but I think we did write him a line once, and it, he was so bad. That we had to cut it out. Uh, so that was kind of the end of Lefkowitz. Or I think he asked for, I think he came to us and asked for a line. No, wait a minute. He he was in the movie, in the audience when they're doing the graduation. We wanted to make a scene yeah. like with hundreds of people, but we didn't have the budget for that. So we would take 20 people copy and paste. just duplicate it yeah. over and over yeah. and over, <laughs> copy and paste. Mm-hmm. to be a, And then we realized... Lefkowitz's hair is in every every four rows. There's a giant <laughs> Lefkowitz head. <laughs> it didn't <That's> work. <laughs> we had to get him out of there. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> every time I talk about Lefkowitz, I always call him like a stoner extra because he was always just standing there as if he was just always <laughs> like on something or something. Yeah. Like, yeah, his eyes were like... Napoleon Dynamite style. A good foil for Shia just to play off or, you know. Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing with extras, and we, we don't call them extras anymore, they're atmosphere players. Mm. Because they're not extras, they're part of the show. Yeah. And uh, they would come in every week, we would get whoever you could get. Sometimes you can see like 30-year-old kids coming in. You go, what are these? The guy has a beard. <laughs> supposed to be in seventh grade. It's terrible. We say, oh, look at this crew. We go, put put that guy in the back. You know? Well, the, the thing is they have to hire, you know, they can't hire under 18s. 
because mm-hmm. they have mm-hmm. limited hours. So everyone in the junior high school is is over 18, pretty much. <laughs> Unless there was this, like a specific scene where we really had to, yeah. it, like in a classroom where we would be close on kids. Right. Mm. And we didn't have money to let them speak. Exactly. As soon as they speak, as soon as they speak, you have to. <laughs> That's what we say all the time. And I always feel bad whenever we say something like that. But I just can't help but laugh when there's someone and they just, yeah. they just smile and nod and walk away. And we're like, oh. Smile and nod. The and nodding. They're always nodding. <laughs> and if you ask them to do any action. Pick up a pencil. Oh, that's a special, that's special business. You have to pay him twice as much. Oh so we say, just stand there. Don't touch anything. Nod and smile. <laughs> so fantastic. Were you guys ever in an, in an episode, like in the background or anything like yes, that? Yes, I was. My picture's in a couple of, you. what were you in, Mark? Dennis was uh, Congressman Nook. Charles Nook. Charles Nook. Oh, oh my gosh, you Stevens. Right. Last one. Oh. That's my picture, yeah. Levin Stevens. No, yeah, you're right. Oh, totally. And the final thing, I beat I beat her oh, by 17 yes. votes. I beat... Uh, I put myself in... Uh, well, I didn't put myself in. They, oh, the cast and crew said, you got to be in this. I want, The first one I directed, Easy Crier. They said, you got you to gotta be in mm. it. So there was a little montage of everybody crying yeah. around the school. And so I shot myself crying and I I dabbed my eyes with my tie. (laughs) Yeah. The most self-conscious, horrible shot. I have new respect for actors now. That's (laughs) wonderful. No, totally. I know know exactly what what moment that is. I'm also on the cover of... uh of Lewis's favorite magazine, Get Rich Quick. Oh, okay. That's me on the cover. Now, Tom Burkhardt would pop up in episodes as the peanut vendor, like when uh, Tom Grabowski's at the chess finals. There's a guy selling peanuts. I don't know why. That's Tom Burkhardt. There's also a a peanuts guy in head games. Yeah. 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 That was him too? He was just always the peanut guy? Yeah. Yes, a couple of times. There might have been an original peanut guy and then Tom took over. (laughs) The Tom Tom Burkhart in the uh, was also the pole vaulter in uh, the Phyllis Diller episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, in the background, he's the, in the background, the first guy who actually does it, and he was a pole vaulter in college. Really? Right. Wow, that's awesome. So that was probably where that storyline came yes, from. Yes, right? it was. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. He that's was cool. stiff for the next five years after that uh, one yeah. pole vault. And then we yeah. said, yeah. who would be the who would be the least likely pole vaulting coach in Phyllis Diller? Of course. <laughs> of course. So we got to work with a legend. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing, by the way. Yeah. She was like 85, knew all her lines. She was full of energy. She was great. We That's had a amazing. good time with her. I loved the gag with her, which was the hold my eyelashes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I was just saying then Lewis puts on the hair wig at the end and does the little dance on the. Yeah, that was just some filler. <laughs> we might have been short that yeah. episode. Is that stuff ad-libbed, like stuff like that? Or did you tell Shia, like, put on the wig? I don't remember. I don't know. He would occasionally grab something, you know. Yeah. Yeah, smell something, grab something. Now, yeah. also in the uh, musical, the cowboy on the horse that Ren's watching, that's Sean McNamara on yep. the horse. Okay. Yep. Right. Love it. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to just check and see if there's any questions. Um, yeah, honestly, without even actually asking them, we've already touched on a lot of questions people had. Okay. Sure. I know there's some questions about a reboot. Um, yeah, of course. There's, there's always questions, there's always about, questions about that. Yeah. Well, I. We can't. Uh, 
Yeah. We can't get, you know, the strange thing is Shia never did a comedy after even Stevens. Yeah. Always such serious roles. Yeah. His latest, his latest movie is a heavy drama coming out soon. Yeah, he'd be awesome in a comedy. Yeah, we would love that. And that's what I think is so interesting. Um, you know, him being away from comedy for so long. It just makes me wonder, like, has he been flexing those chops, like, in, in other ways? Like, what it, what it would be like if he did go back to a comedy after so he, long. Yeah. But he's yeah. funny, though. Oh, yeah, in his interviews yeah. and stuff, he's still, like, yeah. super quick and funny, but... Yeah. I mean, I think that's part of you. You're either funny or you're not, just as a person. Yeah, he was a, a, a great natural comedian, and he channeled, so like, people he probably had never seen. I don't know, like... He did a lot of Kramer, you know, like a lot of Michael Richards, like those takes, mm -hmm. but also like uh, Lou Costello and Jackie Gleason. And, you know, like like he just had it in him. It, it was pr pretty incredible. I, I actually wrote a pilot script that I thought would be great in and I, I sent it to his manager. He said his shy is not going to do any TV, but he sends his regards. He remembers you fondly. I mean, it's really sweet. But um, yeah. Yeah, he's just, I don't know, he's not doing comedies. That's cool. How long ago was that? That was like last year. Wow. And we had a couple of Even Stevens reunions with the writers and the staff, mm -hmm. um, and he never shows up. Yeah. I remember Christy was talking with E! News or something, and there had been a time or something where Shia was around and said he wanted to do something like that, but then... It just didn't work out. I don't know. But. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think Matt is still in touch with him uh, yeah. once in a while. So I, I, I don't know, but I haven't seen him. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's funny. Um, Shia did that actors roundtable uh, with um, Adam Driver, uh, Robert De Niro, Adam Sandler, Sandler. Jamie Foxx. And uh, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Yeah. And, and yeah, and like Adam Sandler was talking about you know, what it's like to be a comedy actor. And Shy is just sitting there and I'm like, can someone mention that Shy is like an amazing comedian? And then Adam Sandler said, I mean, and Shia, you know, I mean, you started doing comedy and stuff and he mentioned it and I was like, thank you. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yeah, Adam yeah. Sandler brought up... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so crazy. Which is funny because like Adam Sandler was one of Lewis's idols in the yeah, early episodes, right. and he had yeah. the Waterboy poster. And yeah. That's right. That's right. So it was kind of like a full circle moment to have Adam Sandler yeah. mention that Shia, you know, did comedy. That was really cool. Yeah. 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 He's just yeah. on a different track now with the indie films and very successful. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Quality films. Matt said he, um, I guess his manager had mentioned he was looking for like the right comedy. He wanted to do it. He was looking for the right script or I don't know. Yeah, hopefully sometime. So, yeah. There's flashes of it and stuff he does, but uh, yeah. For mm -hmm. sure. Especially Peanut Butter Falcon was funny. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah that, that, was was my, that might be my favorite Shia movie, I think. Yeah. Really I, I love that movie. That was good. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I'm sure you guys, out of all the shows you worked on, Full House is the one that gets brought up the most. But I'm just kind of curious how often even Stevens just gets in, like seeps in. It's interesting. You know, I, I work with a lot of young writers. I, uh. I was running this Disney workshop called Storytellers for, for young writers. And, you know, all mm -hmm. your age, you know, millennials and 20s and 30s. Mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, a lot of people, you know, full house, full house. But the the really smart guys and smart girl and women. And That's right. That they were even Stevens fans, the, the, much the way you are. You know, they really mm -hmm. appreciated it. And, and um, so it, it's interesting, but more more appreciation for even Stevens more affection maybe for Full House. Right. Well, gotcha. the cool kids, the cool kids liked us and that's what we liked. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, but that is, it is really interesting to think about the kind of audience the show resonates with. Yeah, it's just yeah. not for everyone. That's right. Which is fine. Yeah, We found our people. We're happy. We found our people. I think that's part of what makes it really special is that, yeah, just it was so unique. That's definitely something to take pride in. Oh, for sure. The fact that they gave us creative freedom, that that's why it was special. Yeah. And why it's not mm-hmm. like another one of those cookie cutter shows or those those Disney yeah. shows. It was not to formula. And and that's why it was such a fun experience for us. And I think maybe that's why some people didn't latch onto it because it wasn't the formula they were like used to maybe. Yeah, people kind of expect subconsciously, I think they expect a formula. And when they don't get it, it kind of turns them off. But um, yeah, like you said, like uh, the cool kids are the ones who, <laughs> yeah. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm putting myself in there, are the ones who kind of, I think, notice that there's something just different about this and that's a good thing, you know? Yeah, that's what we were hoping. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I was going to ask if the Disney Plus, like the streaming, was that like a long time coming? I don't know if you guys were aware of any attempts to release the show previously on DVD or streaming or anything? No, I don't know. It had never shown up. They, they ran it for a couple of years on Disney Channel and they would run the movie. They wouldn't run the show. And um, we always wanted to, and it was a favorite over there because I, I still work there. I mean, I did, um, mm-hmm. you know, after Raven, we did Corey in the House. Then I did Jonas and oh my gosh, Kicking It and Bizarre Bar. I mean, did a bunch of shows there. And, and the executives, oh, we loved, Evan Stevens was our favorite, our favorite. Like, why don't you run it? And they said, there was never an answer. But I guess hmm. that now that now it's on Disney Plus and it's getting some some heat, I guess, again, which is nice. Yeah, it's really nice. Definitely. We had heard a story. We had heard a story, and I don't know if this is true, but they said after, toward the end of Even Stevens, they sold the whole series to some company in Australia called Fireworks, and they had the rights, and Disney couldn't show it anymore. And I even sent away to Australia to get the, the DVDs. Yep. Yeah. And when they came, they were unplayable on an American <laughs> DVD yep. player. So it went into a different world for a while. They uh, probably, they were trying to raise money at the time, but they probably now bought it back and uh, it's back on. Not in the correct order, by the way. No, it's no, driving it's us insane. It's so annoying. So annoying. Yeah. You see Beans and then three episodes later, they introduce him for the first time. Yep. Ridiculous! I don't know who is you know asleep at the wheel there with that one, but uh. <laughs> it's so simple. Like you just go on anyway. You can go on Wikipedia, IMDb. Sure. It's all in order. I know because now, like for people who are revisiting it, they're like, "Wait a minute, this is all out of order. Like nothing's making sense." I'm like, "Oh, I know. It's you know? it's upsetting." Yeah, I mean, but that happened yeah. anyway with the original airing order. Like we see Nelson. Yeah. Right, right off the bat in the season two premiere, he's suddenly real good friends with Ren and Ruby, and then his official introduction is in Thin Ice a few episodes later. Um, I know, which is just really weird. Yeah. I think we yeah. we just we just assumed maybe Disney was like, eh, we want the BB Mac one to be the big premiere, and they didn't even care. That's a great That's true. Episode. Most likely, that's true. Yeah. That happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm hoping that with streaming, people are just starting off by picking their favorites. Oh, let me yeah. see this one again. Let me see that one again. So they're bouncing around a little like, bit. Like I think almost everyone jumped to the musical first, from what I've seen. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Someone had a question. Like, 
why was there never like a soundtrack released with like the Twitty Stevens connection songs or the musical songs or anything like that? Lizzie McGuire. Lizzie McGuire got all the money. Yeah, Lizzie McGuire got a soundtrack. Yep. Yeah. She got the promotion. She got the soundtrack. She got everything. But, uh, we couldn't get a, a T-shirt. But I mean, no, those were really, those songs were written for comedy. Yeah. You know, they were comedy songs. And yeah. even though the musicianship was, re- was really good and um, the songs held up, I think, they weren't supposed to be pop songs. Yeah. You know, whereas Lizzie McGuire, it was just a different different animal. Yeah. yeah. It could have taken Sacramento Girl or any of the songs we've done and made a, uh, you know, a full uh, full length recording and something, uh, soundtrack album might have worked. Yeah. I don't know. They just didn't, they didn't think about us like yeah. that. I'm, yeah. I didn't want to say that's what I figured, but. That's what I figured. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Disney Channel also, I think they were kind of in, still sort of in their infancy. I think they were still trying to figure out how to market all these new shows and these new uh, like IPs that they have. You know, they weren't cartoons, which are like, obviously, yeah, those are a no brainer. But like the live action ones, even Stevens, I think, was maybe their fifth show, after, original show after they uh, started as a network. Right. So, I, I think the whole yeah, yeah. the music thing was um, Hannah Montana. That yeah. just changed yeah. the oh, yeah. world. That's when it broke yeah. open. Because yeah. we talk about it a lot, how most uh, Disney shows always have some sort of gimmick. They always have, you know, the pop star, the kid from the future, the girl who's a psychic, the w- family of wizards. There's like always something. And like even Stevens didn't really have that. Um, normal kids. Normal kids, yeah. And so this maybe there wasn't really a way to capitalize on that or market that or something and you know and like Lizzie McGuire also had a cartoon version of herself right yeah right that's true they were able to put the cartoon on merch and make cartoon dolls and stuff like but that but I think it also would have been a lot of pressure on us too if they said we got to have a hit song mm. you know we've got to mm, we've got to yeah. make action figures it happened on Raven where we had big meetings with marketing people and uh, we have to paint her room a certain color because they're putting out Raven paint and bed sheets. And oh I mean, it, it, it got crazy. Pillowcases. <laughs> but for us, it was just make a little fun movie every week and, uh, and have a good time. Yeah. So yeah. it was actually better. Yeah, I think it would be, yeah, be better that way. Because I know you guys also did a musical episode for Raven as well. And I'm assuming that happened due to the success of Influenza. Yes. Yeah. 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 I never saw that one. You never saw that one? Oh, well, Raven was kind of like after. I was oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. going to high school. Raven and, was yeah. after. Raven yeah, was yeah. after. Honestly, though, I mean, Influenza is, I think, the the premier Disney Channel musical episode, if there were to ever be one. Yeah. The music's so good. I do love it. I yeah. love it. And they had never done yeah. it before. It was uh, it was a very ambitious yeah. undertaking. But we, you know, Jim Wise was great and John Coda. And uh, we wrote a lot of the, the lyrics and the song. You know, we had a cohesive storyline and um, oh, yeah. it, it, it all kind of worked. And it, and it was about something, you know, yeah. as silly as some of the stuff mm-hmm. gets, there's always an underlying theme of, you know, Ren, you know, missing that missing that day of school and the message of uh, mm-hmm. you don't have to do everything. You don't have to be perfect, you know. Yeah. And Jim Wise, uh, Coach Tugnut. He, I, I don't know, he just must have had a musical background because those were like regular Broadway musical tunes. Mm-hmm. No, he, he definitely uh, they, did, ha- yeah. they hold up today. He wrote some really great songs. Jim's a great musician. He was in a band with Sean McNamara yeah. as, uh, when that's they were kids. Right, that's right. 
Yeah, we so got cool. that. We got that rundown yeah. in, uh, in, our, in our interview yeah. with him. Yeah. yeah, he's great. And we had choreographers coming in, and uh, it really turned into a production. Oh yeah, definitely. That's cool. um, where was the um, Where was the mall from Quest for Coolness? Was that the promenade? It was down here. It was down near uh, Playa del Rey around oh, that area, like the Redondo Beach one, right? That's the Redondo Beach. The right? Galleria, the South South Bay Galleria. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was South South. Yeah, yeah. Is is uh was your toast in a real mall? That was in a real mall, yeah. Wow. Same same mall? Probably. We yeah. would go to the same place. Once you have a relationship with these people. Yeah. And they and like in uh Quest for Coolness, they let us go behind the scenes running through the the back of the stores and the hallways and places yeah, like that. that. Was cool. And that was their real basement then? The mall's real basement or the basement was built. Okay. But the running yeah. running through the halls and looking at the back way into <laughs> the stores, that was uh in the mall. Oh, that's awesome. Where, was Fantasia a set or was that a location? That arcade. The, the arcade. The arcade. From, oh, yes. The uh, arcade from Easy Way. Did we build, oh, I remember. I, I don't remember. That was one of the t- one of the times we got censored because uh, Sarah and Susie, who were very edgy writers, they wanted to call the place the fun hole. Oh. <laughs> and they said this. The Disney was like, there's no way you're calling that place the fun hole. Oh, my so, God. Uh, so we had to pitch Fantasia and that worked. But I think we built that okay. downstairs and we brought in yeah. the worst video games. It was not that much fun. but Because we couldn't license anything. So everything was generic <laughs> public domain games. Yeah, sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's yeah. what we said in our episode about that. I'm like, it says virtual fun center, but it's the most basic arcade game. <laughs> you have trouble getting, you have to pay for those kind of things. Like for in the quest for coolness at the end, when you open Scabby's trunk, we wanted there to be all kinds of games and all kinds of amazing things. We couldn't get permission to do anything. What was free? Marionettes. <laughs> like he's selling. And sponges. He had yeah. sponges. Yeah. Sponges. <laughs> sponges. Yeah. We couldn't get anything. Oh my gosh. We had no money. I had one more question. Do you guys know if the original pilot was, uh, is that ever, is that anywhere now or is that just lost? Is- well, we cut it up in pieces for, uh, yeah. a week, first week. They, Disney would not, uh, they're not throwing anything out. So <laughs> they came to us and said, we got to use this footage, figure it out. And <laughs> it was a mandate. I mean, we had to do it. And, we, mm-hmm. we just hated writing that episode, but it actually turned out pretty well. Like you hated writing the, the Ferris wheel stuff? Yeah, we said, what do yeah. we, how, what do we do? And we had no money. Like we couldn't build any new sets. Like the whole thing had to be that stupid Ferris yep. wheel. But it, it worked out pretty well, actually. And I'm sure it's a, it's on a shelf somewhere at the Disney Channel, the complete, the complete pilot. Yeah. yeah, I'd love yeah. to see that. Where they where they everyone's last name is Spivey. Spivey. Yeah. And we had to yeah. we had to dub in Stevens uh, the best we could. Yeah. Any chance oh of God. Nick Frino getting released? <laughs> Nick Frino? You know, I you yeah. have to move to, you have to move to Argentina to see that. That's the only place it's playing. Ten years ago or something, I get a letter from my lawyer. It said uh, they want to pay you ten thousand dollars for all the rights to Nick Frino in perpetuity. And uh, this is before Netflix or anything. We went, yeah? Are you kidding? Of course. So maybe when the, like the Warner Brothers streaming service starts or something like that, and I mean, maybe it'll pop up somewhere. There were some interesting people in in that show. There, Mila Kunis's first show. Yeah, she was she was a kid in that show. So, yeah, it was a weird show. They didn't really let us let us do what we wanted to do. 
the parenthood just uh, got added to Hulu. I, I was watching it. That, that's a funny show. Yes. Too. That was a really yeah. fun, yeah. interesting experience for us. Yeah. That one's funny. Yeah. Working with Robert Townsend. Yeah. And, uh, phase, phase on love and those guys. Uh, it was a WB show. One of the first ones. Yeah. yeah. It was a similar thing. They had done six of them and they fired the showrunners and, and they brought us in. So it was almost the same thing as what happened with even Stevens. And, and Raven, we got a reputation as the show doctors. Raven had shot half a season and they fired everyone and we came in, wow. we came in and took oh, over. Wow. So uh, that, that became our thing after a while. Wow. That's cool. Do you have anything else, Brittany? Questions wise? But yeah, just one last random question someone had was they just wanted to know a little bit about that birdhouse scene with uh, Donnie and Steve in Get a Job. Like everything that went into that, they they had like the most random question about the birdhouse, whether it was pre-built or something. I, I didn't really know what they meant by that. We, we had an amazing prop department. Uh, Julie, I, Julie Iams, Ames. Mm-hmm. Iams, yeah. She she was a genius and she built the birdhouse. She she did the <laughs> leprechaun. She I went to, when I, when I was shooting... Uh, there was the dodgeball episode and mm-hmm. the dodgeball is coming at Lewis and I shot the thing and the dodgeball, we realized the dodgeball is just coming straight at him. It's not rotating. She came up with this idea to put it on a drill and turn the drill so that the <laughs> the ball would rotate as it heads to Lewis's head. So, wow. and not, I mean, she just had the greatest attitude. Like nothing was wow. too hard. Nothing was, you know, let, she just embraced it. She, she was, I mean, the whole crew really was, was amazing. What we did with that budget and the amount of time we had, um, it, it, it was, they were, they were just stellar. They were heroic. Oh, Julie, Julie would build robots. We'd write, a, we'd write any crazy invention we would write. She would figure out how to make it. <laughs> The EcoBot 3000. Right, yeah. Right. All that, all that to crush a can. Yep. I mean, really. <laughs> but she, we used to say, you make our dreams come true because we would dream the craziest thing and then we'd go down to the set and Julie would have it built. Uh-huh. So it was great. That's awesome. Do you guys know the whole pirate joke, the rocking and the rolling? Uh, you know, I'm going to call Joey Paul after this. She may have the tape of the original. Oh, um, God. Oh, the original yeah. audition. That'd be beautiful. And uh, I'm because I'm, I'm still in touch with her, and um, you know she's still working. She works with Sean and David still all the time. Uh, I'll see if we can dig it up. Yeah, I know there was a pirate on a ship, and it was a, a storm, and it was a rocking and a rolling, and a big wave came, and the pirate fell in the water, and the shark it bit me arm off, and it had a whole. But I forgot the punchline. <laughs> it was just great. <laughs> yeah, I, we never got to the punchline. Because right? <laughs> I, I mean, I think that's part of why it's so funny is that there's there's no punchline. Yeah, there probably is no punchline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just always fades out yeah. at the same part. Yeah, yeah. I know. That's all. That's um, all he gets. So, um, just moving on to something really fun, you guys, you know, with no prompting from us, decided to come up with your top five best and worst episodes of the series ranked, which is so cool because, I mean, that's keeping with, obviously, our podcast, uh, you know, even Stevens ranked, staying true to that. Didn't even think to ask, you know, the people we interview what their 
favorite episodes would be ranked. Yeah. Um, so this is really, really cool. And I'm super excited to know where you guys are at as the showrunners and writers, how you would rank these. Okay. So you want to start with the worst, start with the worst or the best? I think, yeah, let's start with number five best and then work our way down to one. Okay. So number five best, I would say, for this different reason, not necessarily the best episode, but what it kind of represented. I, I loved Close Encounters of the Beans kind. Yes. Oh, my gosh. My mom is going to be so happy. Can we make, they think Beans is an alien. And then in the end, he's an alien. And they let us do it. Yes. And <laughs> no explanation. Um, it just It just is. But just the... The, all the twists and turns and how all the pieces came together is very, those are very hard to write. You know, like how do you explain mm. the compass and this and that? Um, and it all came together really well. And it's just, just the level of absurdity makes it one of my favorites. Oh, for sure. And I think to this day, kids are still freaked out by the ending. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The yeah. That was a close one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was our hope to freak you out. I remember I like, watching that for the very first time and it was like, I was like, what is happening? Like beans is an alien. I think they like maybe teased it or something in a promo, but <laughs> I remember being super pumped for the episode and they had the, the ET homage and oh, man, that was, yep. you guys nailed it. Mm-hmm. And is there, was that an intentional um, Titanic reference in there too, where he says like, I'm the king of the world, Beansy or something? Absolutely. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay, of course. Good, yeah. Absolutely. Because that's, that's my favorite movie of all time. There's usually a Titanic reference in most things. So yes. the fact that there is one in Even Stevens just makes me happy. So Yeah, that's cool. Dennis, what's, what's your fifth? Uh, strictly Ballroom. Yay! Made me cry. It made me cry. It was oh, so yeah. sweet that he helped her. I loved the dancing, uh, the corny Cinderella shoe at the end, and uh, the toilet, and uh, just uh, I don't know. So it was just like if if somebody never saw an episode, uh, I would tell them to watch that because I think it had a little of everything. And the stories came together, which was so nice. Mm, yeah. uh, sometimes they're in their own world, but this one they really helped each other. It was great. It was just great. Yeah, that, that was one of our favorites to talk about so far, I think, as well. We yeah. had a lot of fun <laughs> with that. That's good. <laughs> so I think number four for me would be Leaving Stevens. Yes! Because just the way everything paid off, we had just come off, I think, the uh, uh, in Ren We Trust, and we weren't feeling that great. And because uh, we, I think we were anticipating this this final episode, and, and just the way, just the emotion of it, and the performance, and uh, and the weird part of it that I that really that I love the most. Yes, the Tony Lewis stuff, but I love the ending of the Coach Tugna Donny. Uh, bromance <laughs> yep. and the payoff to all the, you know, three years of uh, homoerotic subtext just paying off in this crazy, he, him going and, and the rhythmic gymnastics and just, it, it just all kind of came together for me in that one. Oh my gosh. So yes. Yeah, so confirmed then. Yeah. <laughs> all that subtext. Oh, confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Okay. Uh, Leaving Stevens was number six for me. Oh. Uh, I, I went up to seven, but for number four, I love Secret World of Girls. I love that uh, it was a guy's thing, but it was also just uh, an adventure, you know. And Disney, the the word of the of the week was always 
good, clean fun. Yeah. We're not, nothing, you know, like in reality, the boys would be up in the girls' bedroom. Yeah. Instead, we kept it clean. They just wanted to hear what girls say behind their back. And we introduced Beans. Uh, and I love that because I named him after my son was named the bean when he was a little kid, we would uh-huh. call him the bean. So when I said that they, we were pitching it around, we said, how about just beans? And it worked out great. My son, Greg appreciated cool. that. I had that episode six, but mm. another great thing about that episode is, is Fred Savage's first, uh, directing episode. Yep. Yeah. He, he direct, I think he directed maybe one, maybe two other, he did lost sausage. I know. They, you know, Disney called and said, hey, Fred Savage wants to direct. Oh, you know, spoiled actor coming in. We got to give him a job. But he came down. He hung out for two weeks on the set with us every day, learned everything, was the, the nicest, sweetest, funniest, most genuine guy. We, we became good friends. We played poker together. So um, that that episode is memorable for that, too. Awesome. Yeah, that episode's amazing. To me, the steak when I was a kid, I was like, I still watch it and I stress out that he's going to get caught. And I'm, oh my gosh, it's so stressful. Beans, love it. beans being lowered on a rope is one of my favorite. <laughs> while the while the girls have cucumbers on their eyes, he's being low and he's grabbing snacks. Yep. Yes. I love but that. also just to go back to sausage, just another favorite beans moment is when he's moving the dirt from the tunnel and they, <laughs> they fill his pockets. Yeah. <laughs> his pants. His pants. Yeah. His pants, yeah. Giant <laughs> pants. That's awesome. So what are we up to? Number three? Oh, three. Right, three. Um, for me, it's Influenza. Mm-hmm. The musical, it was groundbreaking for us. It was fun to do. Uh, stretching the actors. Shia singing and dancing. He was very, very uh, insecure about it. And he was mm-hmm. great. And working with Jim Wise, who, who wrote the, the music, and it, it was just a really fun uh, experience. The, the whole episode kind of was very positive for me. Good one. Uh, for number three, I had Heck of a Hanukkah, which was funny because every show we've ever worked on, the network says, are you going to do a Christmas show? And they're always the same. So we said, you know, in real life, Shia has a Jewish mom, a Christian dad. Let's do, let's make that the family. And we loved uh, It's a Wonderful Life, so we used that. But I loved seeing the characters out of character. Yes. Yeah. Ren, Ren with her motorcycle boyfriend, Donnie, insecure with his first grade spelling bee trophy. And it just it was just fun. And then we got that kid to play the new kid in the house. Yep, Chris Marquette. <laughs> twisted. Yeah, he was terrific. Just a good twisted, uh, a good twist on the whole series. So I always loved that one. Oh, for That's sure. a good one. I wish they played it more. Uh, back in the day, they didn't, they only played it during, uh, you know, the holiday, holiday yeah. time. That's the problem with holiday episodes. Yeah. You don't get a lot of yeah. the residuals yeah. are not great on those. Yeah, that's true. I always thought that that was probably based a little bit on Shia's own family. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so number two? Yes, number two. All right, this one will be controversial because I disagree with you very strongly on this one. Wait, wait you disagree with, with, with both of us? Uh, I don't know whose list I printed out. I think I printed out yours, Brittany. Uh, Rengate. Oh. You have it pretty low. You have it like in the 50s, I think. Yeah. And that's one of my favorite episodes mm. because... Um, the level of absurdity really came together in that episode. I love the the hall patrol, the the ceremony in the basement, the uh, the south hallway, but also mm-hmm. the elevator is one of my favorite things. With shorty, like is a guy from the twenties 
Like, <laughs> yes. you know, out of nowhere. <laughs> he's just, he's going, hey, what do you say? What do you know? Um, that actor went on to be the vice principal on Phil of the Future. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he he was in a lot of yeah. things. Very, I forget his name, but he, he was a very funny guy. It's like uh, J.P. Mon. Yes. Yes. J.P. Yeah. Mon something. <laughs> yeah. Also the fact that they, how Ren got corrupted, that it was really about something. It was political. We took on a theme that no, most yeah. kid shows wouldn't do. Uh, seeing another side of mm-hmm. Lewis, seeing him get corrupted the other way. I, I just like the way that yeah. episode came together. And Neil Israel directed that, and uh, he directed a, a couple of episodes for us. And, you know, Neil's a very funny guy and a good friend. So um, so I would rank that as two. Yeah. And it's not yeah. that I don't, like, I, I try to explain this, like, all the time. It's not that I don't like any of my lower-ranked episodes. It's just, like you said, the way you guys really pushed the absurdity and maybe like surrealness and stuff that's part of my disconnect when that stuff goes maybe a little too far so that that's probably why it's a little lower um yes totally get it even my lower ones i mean it's like i said it's my favorite show i i hold this show at the highest regard so even the lower episodes on my list i still am nostalgic and very look at it fondly and yeah we love them all we just love some more than others exactly Yeah. yeah Like yeah. my kids. Exactly. <laughs> 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 uh, number two, I had band on the roof. I yes. just love it. I just thought it was so cool that we pulled it off and that the song on the roof was good. I like the song yeah. on the roof. I like when they yeah. all sang together. And I loved when they did the background and the harmony. And uh, it was just great shooting out there and looking down. And uh, I just, when it all came together... I just felt great, and there, and Tom's ridiculous documentary, and uh, it, was just, <laughs> it was just great. I, I loved it, and that was my number one. So yes, you kind of covered it. I agree. I agree with you. It, it, everything just came yeah. together in that episode. Yay! It really worked. I feel so validated. Thank you. I'm happy to validate you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, my number one, sorry, Brittany, was influenza. I just loved it. I could watch it over and over. I could sing the songs. Uh, I mean, Mark and I had to uh, embrace our guy side and also our feminine side. So we do love musicals. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if that's necessarily feminine, but I just love that uh, that whole thing. Just seeing them out of their element, dancing, singing, the choreography. And the songs were... Solid, yeah. real show really tunes. Yeah. And you guys are both from New York too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's in you anyway. Broadway. Yeah. Broadway yeah. out there. So. We, love, we love Broadway. Yeah. To work on the show. I mean, th- that's probably like one of the biggest accomplishments is to put together something so different like that, like a musical episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For a kid's audience too, I mean. We went into the recording studio and we yeah. really worked on these songs and had them sing it over and over till it sounded right. Yeah. Yeah. So we put a lot of a lot of energy into that. Mm-hmm. But it's in your top 20, Brittany, so oh, we're yeah. okay with that. I have it slightly <laughs> lower, but just because uh, I wasn't as big of a musical fan growing up. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love every episode, I'm telling you, but yeah. I just have it a little lower, that's all. We do too, we do too. So Dennis, you said you went up to seven. What did you have at seven? Uh, Pookie, where in the world is Pookie? Oh, that's uh, your mom loves that one, Brittany. That makes me cry when he gives her that, and he stays in his room, mm-hmm. and she screams, <laughs> and the family runs in, and just him smiling in the bed that he did a good thing for his sister. It makes me cry. It's so sweet. That's one of my 
favorite Lewis moments. So it's a great moment. That smile Shia gives is so genuine. Yeah. It's so nice. Yeah. yeah, and that's my mom's favorite episode, so. Yeah, I do love that. So she'll be happy. <laughs> you guys have any, uh, any other, uh, I don't know, what, oh, Mark, what did your your list went up to six? Uh, yeah, I had Lost Sausage, which, which we talked about a little okay, bit also. that's a good one. I, I, again, the absurdity. I, I go more to the absurd ones, you know, the stuff they yeah, let yeah. us do. Yeah. But also the, the bonding between um, Lewis and and Steve in that one mm-hmm. was, was special. And I, I love Tom Virtue. I love giving him a chance to shine. A lot of really <laughs> stupid yeah. jokes, you know, the Donnie's <laughs> voiceover when he's actually there and the clock turning and like just silly you know, that was genius, though. I no. love that part. That was good. So good. <laughs> Got to get that fixed. When we were working on Fast Times with Amy Heckling. She was go. She would call it good stupid. You know, like hmm. it's stupid, but there's there's some basis. There's some some thematic soundness to it. Like Spicoli, you know, he's good stupid. So yeah. just look, looking yeah. for that that level is, is always fun. You know what's great about Tom Virtue? I mean, uh, you know, you would think. Nobody likes a dad who screams, but with him, it was always so funny. And coming from love, Lewis, you know, you just you just loved him. You never you never were angry at him, or you never felt he was mean. He was not mean. No, yeah. he was just frustrated to be a dad to that kid. Well, yeah, I was saying his screaming was very justified. So yes, yeah. kids show parents. It's very thankless for an actor. Very hard, and and Donna was great. Also, just portraying, you know, just the sense of humor and how much she loved the kids and how much she appreciated, even when they were crazy, she just appreciated them. She got them mm-hmm. um, unappreciated in terms of walking that line, you know, that parent line of being real and being um, a believable parent, but also mm. putting out a good performance and being funny. And yeah. um, it, it was she did a beautiful job. Yeah, they had an excuse to nag at Lewis, but they weren't naggy. But they were, you know, they were firm with him though, and it was, they were really good at that. Yeah, I mean, even when they're yeah. calling in the hazmat, uh, yeah, the hazmat <laughs> squad to clean out his room, she's just right. here. We go again, you know. Yeah. yeah, I was just quoting that episode the other day because um, one of my favorite lines is that's that's the uh, shutterbugged, right? Yes, I think that it might have yeah. been yeah. might have shown up in a couple of episodes actually, but yeah. It was, yeah. I just, I love the line where, you know, Donna says, Lewis, how many times have I told you not to leave leftover sushi under your bed? And he goes, I know, I'm sorry. There are so many rules in this house. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to keep them all straight. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> he always had excuses. <laughs> but th- but that's a specific rule. Like, don't put sushi under your bed. It's like, yeah, that's exactly. Right. <laughs> like, There's so many yeah. rules. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, that's just not something you just don't do, you know? That's right. <laughs> love it. Love I'm it. curious about the bottom five now. Oh, yeah, I know. Moving on. Yeah, I almost forgot. Right. Bottom five. So the bottom, well, immediately uh, eliminate the, the ones before we were there. So I won't <laughs> yeah. I, I won't judge those. And I'll just go really fast on these. But, you know, in Ren We Trust, worst, just in so, on so many levels. So that's your number one worst? That's my number one worst. Okay. Yes. Yep. Mine too. Were, we, were our names on that as the writers? Are we writers on that yeah, one? Yeah, both of you. It's the only one that both of you are credited. Oh, Has no. both our names on it. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, made sure. Uh, <laughs> what were we thinking? Who dir- oh, and happened? David. I think David Kendall directed that one, I think. Yeah, and even he was saying, we knew it. As we were doing it, we knew it was bad. Uh, we just, 
I don't know. Really? Yeah. What were we thinking? I'm so glad we're on the same page with that one, though. <laughs> this orphan kid, like, you know, from Boys Town in the 30s or something, Spencer Tracy, and the cardboard pants, or I don't know. There were just so many bad, <laughs> so many bad choices. But so anyway, yeah. That one didn't work. Banjo. What was the banjo band? Oh, yeah. The bluegrass band torturing Lewis. Like, bluegrass band. That's what And it then, was, like, yeah. Beans had, like, a pony that was pooping walking through the school. That was, I was like, what is happening? It was just terrible. Right. Yeah. We might have been checked out at that point. I don't know. They're, they're probably <laughs> already boxing up the studio. And, right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So that's your worst as well, Dennis. Yeah. 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 And then I just looked this morning, and when I saw our names as writers, I said, "What? What happened yeah. to us?" I, 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 didn't I didn't even re. I didn't even rewatch it. Honestly, I just yeah yeah. But yeah. maybe I will now. Just for, just for the badness. For the badness. So I guess we're going backwards now. So so we'll go backwards. No, so you then oh, my, okay. my uh, next would be duck soup. Ah, Ethan! No way! Yes, I love duck soup. Did you love duck soup? It's one of my favorites. It drove me crazy. I, I love Chef Pierre. I used to talk like him oh, no. when I was a kid. Yeah, I just could not. The overacting, it, it just uh. was so grating. And then we had the, the duck. Plus, it was an adult story, which, eh, you know, the adult yeah. stories usually aren't that much fun. But then we had, one, we had this duck, right? And we had a live duck. But for a couple of the shots, we had to have... Uh, a duck, like it bites Ren's nose or something. Mm-hmm. So they said, let's get an anim- animatic duck. It's Disney, right? They'll build an anim. So they go out $20,000, $30,000, $40,000 for a duck, for an animatic duck. We said, we can't do it. Sean knows, I got a guy. He, he can do anything. He, he So he comes in with this duck and says, all right, let's, the duck has to bite Ren's nose. And he's got some kind of air pump and he's pumping like a, up and down like a <laughs> pneumatic drill, like for 20 minutes, pumping, 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 pumping. And then the duck's beak just opens like a quarter inch. And that was it. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> that whole production wise, it was yeah. a pain in the neck. And the story was like, who cares about her, whether her dinner is successful? I don't know. So I, I, I ranked that low. We did laugh of the ridiculous that there were, you know, 72 fast food duck places in in Sacramento. Yeah. Duck and donuts? Duck best, and du- best part. Out of duck. Every place was out of duck for some reason. But that uh, chef screaming, faces, faces. It was, yeah, that was a, a little over the top. <laughs> Although we've gone over the top before. Uh, so, uh, I love that episode. <laughs> so you're number two worst, Dennis? Your toast. Yes. Oh, no. was all, I like that one. What was all that spinning? <laughs> all that spinning was ridiculous. <laughs> oh, spinning my around, Catching tight. I don't know what happened there. What I, was I thinking? I think I, I just love know. it because it's so hokey. And then the Lewis plot is really great with that drummer, the guy who's like kind of maybe British or Australian or something. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I love that storyline, and then I just love the hokiness of the the spinning and right. the, the Jason Marsden stuff. And See, this is what's so funny how we're so different. I have your toast right. at sixty two, and I think Ethan has it at like twelve. Yeah. <laughs> I have it in my top ten. <laughs> I agree with Ethan. I have it somewhere in the like twenty ish or something. Okay. I would okay. say I, I like that yeah. episode. So. Uh, yeah, but, I'm okay with I did like when the Squirelli would peek out from that tile yeah, to see what's going on. Yeah, that was yeah a, there's good. a couple of 
And uh, I love the line uh, when the drum teacher says, you ever hear of a little band called Kiss? Yes. He goes, yeah. Yeah. Well, my band opened for them in Modesto. (laughs) And that's my favorite line. If I had to pick a favorite line from that episode, that's (laughs) it. I love that. Oh, man. I love that episode. But was that, just a quick question about that, that was really part of this um, little arc of like Lewis wanting to be a musician now was mm. that where did that come from was that something because it looks like Shire really played the drums he was learning yeah. the drums he was into it yeah he wanted to do it so we wrote to that mm-hmm. you know things like that I mean for example we heard that Fred Myers was a real black belt in karate. Yep. Yeah. He said, oh my God. And we called him up. He said, is it true? He said, yeah. He did a couple of moves for us that was shocking. So we said, wouldn't it be funny if Fred has to save Lewis from a bully, Fred the nerd? And uh, it was fun to feature that. You know, you never know where it's going to come from. Yeah, I love that. So so who's, who's now? You're three, Mark? Three, I guess. Three? Family picnic. I yeah. don't know. I can't say much about it. I know. That's me too. That's my last, but it's not my least favorite, but I just thought it was like probably like the slowest of yeah. all of them. It just, just kind of felt a little emptier. Yeah. It wasn't really about anything. And just, I'm just saying it wasn't a special episode. It wasn't inspired. Yeah. You know, the the best stuff we did had some kind of inspiration, some some absurdity mm-hmm. or, or some great character moment or some heart. And it just, I don't know, it didn't seem real. Yeah, because weren't you saying, Mar- um, Dennis? Didn't you say that was like a like a leftover script from the Eric Van Lowe time, or Matt had it, or something like that? Yes, when we when we got there uh, and starting fresh, Matt did have a script that he wrote in the earlier group, and uh, he said, "Let's give it a shot," and we made it uh, fun as fun as we could, but it didn't have the the new energy we were trying to put in. It was a little flat. Mm. But uh, it was okay. I, I didn't like seeing Lewis cheating. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty cold. He usually is a little more creative than just... Yeah. Um, I mean, like he'll mess up Donnie's pummel horse just to get a laugh. But he wouldn't cheat just to win a, a contest. Yeah. yeah. So are, did we get to your number three, Dennis? Was it? Dennis is number I... I had the same one, family picnic. Oh. I, family I was picnic. Just, it was just a little flat, a little flat. So my number two worst, however we're going. Or, or is, no, well, I think it's, is it four Oh, four, worst? yeah, four worst right, four. Four. Uh, was Uncle Chuck. Mm. Whoa, um, really? I can see that. I love Richard Kind. And yeah. he, he, I did a play, Richard Kind came, he did the reading for me. I play poker with Richard. I love Richard. I love his acting. He's hilarious. But this was just not really, I don't know. Again, maybe because it was an adult episode. um, Not my favorite. I get it. Well, if 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 you remember what happened with that, we had cast an actor who looked like... uh, Tom Virtue? Yeah. Tom Virtue. He looked like Tom Virtue. He sounded like Tom Virtue, but he was like a mm. flaky Tom Virtue. We said, this guy's perfect because he looks like a upstanding guy, but he's going to turn out to be a flake. And Disney said, we don't want that guy. No one ever heard of him. How about a guy with a bigger name? Okay. Yeah, we really like that guy, but they wanted to go with a, a more well-known, who I love, uh, but 
Mm-hmm. He was miscast. He wasn't. They didn't feel like mm-hmm. a Stevens. Hmm. Yeah, I have Uncle Chuck at fifty-seven. So okay, I I, I agree. Yeah. I, I can yeah. see that. I like it because I like the. Uh, it kind to me. It kind of a little bit justifies some of Lewis's uh, personality in a sense because it's like okay, like there's somebody in his family who is kind of. I mean, obviously, Uncle Chuck's like a way worse person than Lewis. But, uh, you know, there's some stuff there that, you know, you can see Lewis might have admired and picked up on. Uh, but at the end of the day, he's still yeah. kind of, uh, you know, he goes towards his dad. And, and it's a good moment between them at the end. I like that, too. Yeah. It's a cliche story, kind of. It's not the most yeah. inspired story where sure. somebody comes along, you think he's cooler than your dad. Then you realize your dad mm-hmm. is, is really cooler. Where I thought we did it more interestingly was... Uh, when Tom, Steve, and Tom Grabowski bond over golf, yeah, that's yeah. a cool one. And Lewis is, really is feels cool. left out. I felt that was more emotional. And yeah. you know, they took um, they took dialogue from that um, episode and used it in Honey Boy. Did they really? Yeah. Oh, really? Wow. I I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. It's the scene where the TV father tells Otis that he loves him. But before that, when they sit down for the dinner, definitely reworked some of that dialogue, which is really interesting that they did that. Yeah. And the themes are kind of similar, too, from the episode to Honey Boy a little bit. Father, son. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Leave it to you to pick that up. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Gosh. So, wait, you're you're number four? And my last one. Uh, number five. Well, this is the last one, I no, think. I'm losing track. Because uh, one of them was oh, the no, same. Oh, no, maybe there's more. Think, no? Oh. Oh, yeah, one was the same. Uh, thin Ice, for me, okay. was thin. <laughs> uh, I think what happened was we thought the idea of a funny hypochondriac would be a great character. Yeah. And it, it just, when we saw it, it wasn't funny. Not that... Uh, Gary LeRoy Gray was, uh, it was his fault. He was a great kid and a, and a sweet character, but it, the concept just wasn't funny. Mm-hmm. And it just, to me, it kind of fell flat. Mm. Yeah. It kind of ruined that episode. I can see that. That wasn't our best work. Yeah. Yeah. I have it at 40. Yeah. So it's just kind of chilling in the middle. <laughs> and then my, my fifth is tight end in traction. Yes. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. I like that one too. Again, I have that at 60. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Just not a memorable episode. Just silly. Just too silly. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the head on the body, it worked in one shot. There was one shot where you could actually think it's believable, but otherwise. Yes. I did like that one part that always used to make me laugh. Where I still get a laugh out of it where he's like, Donnie's got a good head on his shoulders. <laughs> oh, yeah. right. Sit down, Donnie's body. <laughs> yeah. That was good. I did laugh at that. I did laugh at that. And uh, my last one, and this is only because uh, I didn't think we pulled it off. Shutterbugged mm. with Ren and the cheeks. It just drove me crazy that the cheeks didn't look right, especially when she went outside. It looked like she just put some clay on there. And uh, <laughs> it's only because we didn't have money for like good prosthetics uh, to really make it look real. Mm. So it, it just uh, it just ruined that episode for me. I was just so upset. I thought that time. I thought that looked okay actually. Yeah, for what it was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you could only really see it up close. You could kind of see the makeup job, but um, I think that one's really memorable. That's a good one. A Ren thing that was very memorable. Oh, the look, the look, um, yeah. I kept thinking the audience is going to think it's so fake. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think we had a sense, I think I had a sense of just like, okay, it's, you know, it's obviously, you know, it's makeup. So I think you just kind of accept it, I guess. You went with it. Yeah. You went with it. All right. 
All right, I'm taking it off the list. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for doing that, guys. That really sure. Cool. Yeah, that was oh, so cool. That was like, fun. We're gonna, I think this should be a thing now. Anyone else we have on, I think they got to... They got to revisit the show and rank it. <laughs> Put them on the spot. Yeah. Well, you, you really, because uh, a lot of this stuff I hadn't thought about in, you know, almost 20 years. So it was really fun going back and rewatching the episodes. And uh, it was the most fun show we've ever worked on. I think we both agree. <clears throat> it was our favorite, mm-hmm. our favorite work experience. So uh, mm-hmm. thank you guys for keeping it alive. Oh, of course. Yeah. That's true. I mean, we love doing it. Giving it new life. Yeah. yeah. I hope so. Well, we are fans of the podcast. We listen. We laugh awesome. when you laugh. You know, we love oh. your uh, analysis of it. Oh. I had uh, told Brittany, you guys would have fit in perfectly in the writer's room because the way you analyze the jokes is exactly how we would do it. That would have been a dream. You know? That is genuinely like the biggest compliment we could ever get <laughs> yeah. is, no, that yeah, is yeah, yeah. just absolutely amazing that's really cool thank, thank you. you that's cool guys yeah do you anything you guys want to plug or, or any final thoughts no i mean about the show, uh, about the show I, I think we pretty much covered everything yeah. you know i mean yeah the thing i mean as it, going back and watching them a lot of it is like um home movies for me like i see my son in a couple of episodes uh, who's yeah. a musician now? Maybe you know him, Ethan. The the Mowgli's. You know the Mowgli's. You're a an LA musician oh. guy. Yeah, yeah. I definitely and, know the names. Like I've yeah. mentioned before. Yeah, Andy Warren. He's yeah. a he's a drummer. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, but wait, uh, was he? He wasn't Andy Blaine, is he? No. Well, he was Andy because we named the drummer Andy. But uh-huh. there was an episode. Uh, the first one. Uh, no, Boy on a Rock. It was Boy on a Rock, mm-hmm. and Tugnut is getting a donut, or he's getting bribed by yes. Tom. And there's a kid at the beginning of the scene, and Tugnut says, mm-hmm. how you doing, Swoboda? And he rubs his head. That's my son. That's Andy. He's Swoboda. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. We that's also cool. used a lot of old Mets names. I used to like to throw in Swoboda and Crane Pool and Shamsky, like Mets yep. from, the, from the 60s. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Oh, also, uh, <laughs> speaking of names, Coach Tugnut, yeah. Matt, Matt used the name of a Canadian hockey player named Ron Tugnut. Oh, my gosh. So it wasn't, he wasn't trying to slip anything by. Although Tom Grabowski was kind of a, in honor of Coach Tugnut. We did yes. give him that name. <laughs> but Tugnut was a hockey player, Canadian hockey player. I know you guys weren't around at the beginning of the series, but do you know where the name Lewis originated by chance? If you guys remember anyone telling no, you? No, that I don't no. know. Because Matt, Matt couldn't remember. Yeah, the original, when they gave us this pilot script or one of the scripts, early scripts, the name of the show was Kane and Mabel. Oh, yeah, no way. Right. Yeah. Wow. They were trying different names. Wow. Before it was even Stevens, we got a that's script cool. that says Kane and Mabel. So maybe those were their original names were Kane and Mabel. I don't know. Like that's my name at some point. Kane and Mabel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have one more question. So Andy Blaine, did he not talk because it was like a payroll thing or was it just more funny to have him be like the quiet guy? Payroll. Payroll. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. That's what I figured. I didn't know that. It's funny. I love that he yeah. doesn't talk. I think it's hilarious. But yeah. <laughs> A lot of decisions were economic. Yeah. Oh, man. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> On that note, uh, I guess. Um, wow. Yeah. This has been 
Super, super fun. I knew this was going to be fun. Uh, you know, this is our first interview with four people on it as well. And so, the, yeah, I knew that was going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, you guys, just thank you so much. This was super cool. Thank you guys for, uh, you know, taking the time. My pleasure. Yeah, it was a yeah. lot of fun. And um, as I said, we appreciate you guys keeping the show alive and digging deep. And uh, so thank you. It was it was a yeah. lot of fun for us. Cool. I can't wait to hear more episodes. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to do it. Thank you so much. Yeah, we, yeah, we can't wait to go into season two now. It's going to be yeah. interesting. <laughs> so we're glad we we're glad we got to talk to you guys before that. So it'll be thank you guys. Be. Go easy on us, Brittany. In in season two, go easy. Oh yeah, on us. I, I will. I will. <laughs> Again, everything we say comes from a deep place of admiration and love yeah. for the show and anything remotely critical is always coming from a place of, you know, that just, we, we just love it so much that we, yeah, I, ra- we, I rather watch like my last place episode of even Stevens and an episode of anything else pretty much. So yeah. <laughs> oh, that's why we love you guys. Yeah. Okay. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. <laughs> yeah. Thanks guys. So- Take care. And if you have any questions or a follow up, just, just let us know. We're happy to help out. Yeah. Definitely. Will do. Anytime. Anytime. Cool. All right. Take care. See you guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye. So that was our interview with head writers and producers, Mark Warren and Dennis Rinsler. Oh, I feel like that could not have gone better. That was amazing. I mean, those were the two, two, like we always say they're heavy hitters and those are the guys you want to tell stories. And they remembered like, they remembered pretty much everything that we were referencing. Yeah. I absolutely love that they thought to rank their top five best and worst. Yeah, we're gonna have to do that with everybody else from now on. That 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 has yeah. to be a thing now. <laughs> kind of have to go back and look at the episodes and see which ones yeah. stand out. Yeah, and it was interesting to see where we lined up. Which yeah, and where we did line up, maybe a, <laughs> a couple. Yeah, like family. They had family picnic in the bottom, and then they all. But then they also had. Um, what was the one that you that I they had one that I lo- like duck soup I love duck soup they did have two both of them had secret world of girls in their uh, top six well yeah but I mean I have that at number two I don't know but you don't like that episode I thought I thought you just did I that. mean I don't like but I mean like I can understand why people okay would have I gotcha I gotcha you know? that's true you do have it you have a number two that's a good point I was just like in my head I think of it as like you not liking it so I always forget you have it at actually number two. <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, but yeah, yeah. that was, it was that was cool. That, that was super cool that they did a top five, and like we had to talk about it, like why they liked it, why they didn't like it, because mm-hmm. like the first part of the interview, we weren't really talking. We were talking about episodes, but kind of just like intermixed. But then that kind of forced us to talk about specific episodes and scenarios, and yeah, yeah. And Renwe Twist was up both. Of them. I know. I'm so glad though. I'm so glad that they can also see that that yeah. Is a mess. <laughs> they said, "What were we thinking?" That that's definitely a nice feeling there. Yeah, uh, just to Super just to cool. know that like that we are on the same page with a lot of stuff with the people who yeah you know worked on it. You know that's that's just mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, wow, this was so great, so fun. Huge thank you to Mark and Dennis for coming on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing conversation. We hope you guys enjoyed listening. Uh, I mean, there are definitely things that we learned from this conversation. So we hope you guys yeah. got a lot out of it as well. Kane and Mabel. I know Kane and Mabel. <laughs> it's my favorite. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, can't get enough of these. They're always yeah. always fun. They're always fun. And on to season two. On to season two. Yep. 
So thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Follow on all the socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, even stevensrank.com. Send us an email. Uh, send us a voicemail. Um, either call the number in the description or uh, send us a voice memo to evenstevensranked at gmail.com. We'd love to have your voice on the podcast with us. And um, yeah, I think that'll just about do it. So thanks, guys, and we'll see you next season. See ya.